Uh, I guess I'm at a couple of minutes late. <laughs> Sabaho, everybody. Sabaho. Good morning. Uh, hey, Goku just time. Hope you guys are having a great weekend. Uh, it is Saturday, November 7th. Uh, let me double check. Yes, November 7th, 2020. And um, we're back. And I just realized I have a whole bunch of notifications going on. Um, I want to say first and foremost, I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, we are starting to feel like fall here in Southern California, at least in the Southern California part that I live. Um, we had clouds, we had rain. It felt like it was a different weather system. And of course, in, in normal Southern California fashion, a couple of days ago, it was like 90 degrees. So today we're on the 50s. Actually, not that bad. It's actually realistically much, much better. And I, I really like uh, the interface or at least the way it's working out for us here. Um, I think uh, just from a kind of a housekeeping kind of a process and what's going on, uh, obviously, you know, uh, as you saw with the title of the video, uh, I just put out a video last night that's going to be the uh, basically my impressions of the LG Wing. Uh, the version that I have is the Verizon version that has been uh, sent to us. So I think a lot of people have the Verizon version, although T-Mobile also carries this in the store. So that's something that I was uh, a little bit surprised. And I saw a comment yesterday and, well, you know, that's how we lose phones. Um, a phone that fell down that unfortunately I can't show yet on camera, but it looks like it survived, um, or at least it looks like it survived. Let's see, does it? Yeah, survived perfectly fine. Uh, good morning, Vince is in the comments. Uh, I would uh, old old best called Habibna. Good morning, Sabaho, Sabaho. Uh, uh, oh, Eldrosa is in there as well. Greg is in the ch chat. Vince again. And uh, <laughs> okay, the Phil, ah, I don't know. I'm trying to say your name. Okay, the Thilden, the Thillingcast, the Thillingcast, the Thillingcast. I'm, I hope I can say it correctly. Sorry. Good morning. I, I, I let's say we'll do that. I'll, I'll put you up on the chat uh, on the chat so you guys could see uh, right there. Uh, but yes, so uh, the video that I put out yesterday was essentially my impressions after having the phone for a week. Um, I showed it last week when we were talking with Juan Carlos. We talked about, obviously, the, uh, L well, we talked about the Surface Duo and, of course, the Note 20 Ultra as far as the competition. Um, I put out another video during the week also comparing the Surface Duo to the Galaxy Z Fold 2, mostly because these are two devices, in my opinion, that at their core function, they have a lot of similarities. They're both folding displays, well, folding technology-based displays. One is two displays connected with a mechanism to fold that's going to be the Surface Duo that goes all the way around the other side. And of course, the other one is a display that folds on the inside as well as having an external display. So that video actually did quite well, and I'm really happy. It went a little bit longer. Um, Matt Tyler's in the comment. Good morning, man. Sabaho. And then um, I put out a couple of other videos too, but the v the LG Wing was a video that I wanted to kind of cover for you guys specifically because uh, it's something that I feel like it's a very unique experience as a device, as a smartphone. Uh, it's the first of its kind in the Explorer program. And because it's actually trying to change our experience of what we normally know as a smartphone. So we've been used to seeing, uh, and obviously not that I don't want to plug the subreddit, but if you guys haven't had to check it out, uh, haven't had a chance to check it out yet, guys, uh, check out the Glowing Rectangle subreddit under r-android. Um, it's Juan Carlos's subreddit. Uh, and of course, it does talk about the glowing rectangles, right? This is by the definition of what a glowing rectangle is. It's a smartphone that we've come to use and enjoy. But this form factor at this point has been going on for a long time. We've seen other form factors. We've seen foldable displays. So here we have the Z Fold 2. This has a folding display. And of course, it's housed on the inside. And of course, if you don't want it, you make it into a smaller display size. But at the end of the day, 
all of those things are different ways for us to try to enjoy our content in a new way. The Z Fold 2 costs 2,200 bucks. The, uh, the Microsoft Duo costs about 1,400 bucks. This sells for $1,000. Now, as an experience, it actually offers us something very unique. And what I really like about it is, is the fact that it is actually there all the time. You can use it in standard mode or you can use it in swivel mode whenever you want. And you don't have to do anything other than just literally swiveling the display out. Um, I was surprised at the construction of it, the materials that they used here, and actually the durability. Uh, I'm a little bit sad that it doesn't have water resistant or an IP rating because as I kind of started the video this morning, uh, it was raining. So, and um, a little bit of a, uh, you know, behind the scenes kind of stuff, BTS. Um, I did a video last night for the English channel and I posted that and I forgot to do some um, basically camera on camera footage for the Arabic channel for the second video that I shot, but I forgot to have that. So I went out this morning to try to shoot some video in the backyard as I typically do, but because it was raining, I could not go and walk around. I mean, had this been, let's say even the F-17 Pro, I would have had no problem walking around in a little bit of splash rain, take my footage, get it, you know, document it, put it in the video and then post the video. Um, I ended up shooting my video from under an awning with the backyard being in my background so that I don't actually get water around this. That's my only thing. Um, it's just not resistant. There's not there's not much you could do with that uh, as far as the actual uh, water resistance there. Um, Scruff Boy is in there. Good morning, man. Uh, uh, Beard is even more amazing than the last last time. Absolutely, man. I love your... Uh, dude, thank you. First... I, I appreciate it. I do appreciate it. And uh, yes, it's it's uh, I, it's one of those things I really appreciate. It's like, I can't believe I didn't do it earlier. That's one of those things. Um, <laughs> so we, let's talk a little bit about the t-shirt. This is actually uh, a homemade, as you can imagine, a tie-dye shirt. But the reason why I wanted to wear the tie-dye shirt today is because I'm seeing a lot of my friends, a lot of my friends that pre-ordered their PlayStation 5 starting to get charged for it, which means it's actually going to be shipping out very soon. And of course, I am super jealous with this new Spider-Man, the, uh, the Miles Morales game that's coming out. So this is my homage to that. So to, to everybody else that's going to be playing Miles next week, hopefully when they get the game and get the, the actual uh, system uh i hopefully you guys will enjoy it it looks amazing i can't wait i wish i wish i was able to get in on those pre-orders but we'll have to see um <laughs> it's seriously it's like 90 percent of the day all i end up doing is this so basically now i'm down to i don't even need two hands to do it i could just do one and if if we're gonna try to do what uh max weinbach did so the first day max got it he his whole challenge was how many different ways can you actually un you know like you flip the wing this way but how many ways can you unflip it so like, i i say like this here you go here's one that's a beard flip so nobody else can do that and of course there's all the way uh but i i can seriously spend all day just plugging with that um, one thing i would have to say though i really wish there was a way to add applications to the wing mode that's one thing i haven't seen yet uh let's see what else is coming on uh davin davis good morning man i need i need a tie-dye shirt with the with the beard logo on uh i haven't seen tie-dye shirts yet that do that but no this is i have to say my wife did a really an amazing job with this um, and it's still one of my favorite uh, tie-dye shirts that I like to wear. Again, the whole Spider-Man theme, when you look at it, it just screams Spider-Man. And uh, partially because, honestly, I'm, I'm just happy that it started to rain. Uh, the the weather here in Southern California has been hot for so long. We've been waiting for the fall to actually just start. Uh, time changed for us last weekend, and we still were having heat waves. So, again, three days ago or so, we were running in 90 degrees Fahrenheit. That's around, around 36, 37 uh, Celsius. So it's pretty hot. Uh, and then, of course, two days later, we get rain and clouds and 
you know. So for that, I'm very happy. Um, <laughs> Devin, see here. Uh, so Matt Tyler says, I got I got a game from. Uh, I, okay, I got an email from the game saying that my money will go out, my money will go out next few days, and I'll get a shipping confirmation. So this see this is that's the thing. That's the exciting part that I'm really happy about it. Um, so Mehmet, yes. So that was the other thing I was going to say. It does kind of look like the British flag. So if anybody else has kind of looked at it, and I don't know if you guys caught on to it in the video, or at least in the uh, in the preview. So let me just do this real quick. Uh, in the thumbnail that I did for the video for you guys, I actually referenced a, a tweet that Matt Tyler put out. And of course, okay, now I can't find it. <laughs> See, that's what happens when you go into a predetermined system. So short answer is, if you guys look at the thumbnail for the video, it has the British flag on it. This kind of looks like it, uh, and I felt like it kind of tied into the second part of the display. So of course. Um, so uh, Harris, uh, went to beauty. Okay, if you're looking for APKs, I recommend checking in in the uh, over at XDA for any kind of APKs uh, modification. But uh, the AP, the camera APK that you're referring to, are you talking about the camera APK for the uh, wing mode, or are you talking about the actual APK for the standard camera? Because there's two different camera apps. Uh, <laughs> I definitely, uh, Great Britain, Great Britain, Great Britain, Great Britain, Great Britain. Matt Tyler is always trying to vote for that one. I appreciate it, man. Um, but with that being said, I hope you guys are doing well. Um, I hope uh, for all my friends and all, uh, all of the viewers that are following us from the UK, um, I wish you guys, uh, honestly, best of luck with with what's coming up. I know that you guys are going through some, some additional restrictions in the near future. Um, honestly, uh, the PlayStation 5 could not have come at a better time. That's my philosophy on this. Either the Xbox Series X or the PlayStation 5 could not have come at a better time. Just get some few games, get it in there. Uh, and if you guys haven't caught up, or I don't know if you have access to the uh, Mandalorian, Mandalorian episode two went out yesterday. Looks a little bit interesting, not that much, but you know things are coming up. Um, and then of course the the biggest surprise that I was actually really really surprised to see, um, Oppo decided to send me a, a phone. Basically, this is the uh, F17 Pro. This is a device that came out with ColorOS 11 as the operating system, as opposed to where we received the ColorOS update to our devices as an update. So what I mean by this, and of course, this would be the time. And so what I mean by this is, so my Find X2 Pro is a phone, and, and from my understanding, at least at, at this point, people that have the beta should be receiving at least the updated version or a more another update for the final version um, to ColorOS 11. So that device received it as an update. The Find X2 Pro has been out for a while. And actually, Matt did also share, uh, I just got excited. I thought I got the ColorOS 11 on my Reno 2. Uh, no, no, Davin. I wish. I think the uh, the Reno two. I wasn't sure if the Reno two was on the list, but if it does, it probably will be in twenty twenty one. I think for the most part for this year, they're focusing mostly on the Reno. I want to say on the Reno three Pro and the Reno four Pro. Those are the ones with the Find X two Pro, and of course the uh, the F seventeen Pro. Um, but the reason why I'm excited about the F seventeen is not only because it came out with Color OS eleven, but it's actually not a flagship. This is a mid, almost like a budget version of their devices. So. The way ColorOS 11 runs on more of a uh, maybe uh, I would say budget-friendly version, as opposed to like you know the fastest thing they've released in 2020, obviously can speak to the fluidity of how the operating system goes. So that's one thing I'm really excited about. And of course, checking out the different things, we have a quad camera setup on the back, a dual camera setup on the front, and it is very light. So it's very indicative of just a lot of lightweight material. We have a headphone jack, even though it's super light. Of course, USB-C, a lot of things, but. I'm excited about this. So if you guys have any questions, um, and the model that I have is an eight gigabytes of RAM, 128 gigs of internal storage. Um, 
Oh, Matt's going to be getting the Assassin's Creed, Horizon Zero Dawn, and Spider-Man, of course. So Spider-Man for me was the big thing for, for the PS5, right? It's their launch event. It's the sequel to the original. And of course, um, for me, it's just the mechanics, the gameplay, the graphics, the HDR, just everything goes crazy. And um, definitely, if you try, if you have it or you definitely check it out, please let me know what do you guys think of the RTX function that they have that built in there. Um, that's one of the main features that they talked about it is the RTX support in here to be able to provide you better graphics and better shading and um, although from what I saw with Dave um, Dave 2D's video essentially is like you can't have RTX on 4k 60 you can only have it at 4k 30 but again I'd say it's something worth uh, turning on especially when you get gameplay that is rich um, I got an update from Call of Duty Warzone also a couple of days ago saying that the RTX update is going to be coming out soon that I'm looking very much forward to. I have a 2080 Ti, and I would love to be able to see some really deep graphics. Now, I'm wondering what that's going to happen with, the, with, you know, obviously the frames per second when we turn on RTX. So that's going to be kind of that marriage of what level do I want to go? Because I'm running right now 240 hertz on the display, and that to me is the best way to play Call of Duty. You want to be able to go as fast as you can. Um, so we'll see. That's something to keep in mind and definitely check it out. Um, Oh, Matt jumped in. Uh, I'm still waiting for Color OS 11 for my Find X2 Find X2 Pro. wasn't wasn't in the beta. So if you weren't in the beta, it sounds like your um, your update. I think this is also from Matt. Uh, if you if you were not part of the uh, Color OS beta Color OS 11 beta originally, uh, you're going to be receiving your update in a little bit later on. So the Find X2 will receive it. But at least at this point, I know that at least devices that were in the beta, at least like this one, the Find X2 Pro, uh, are receiving their updates. So hopefully very soon. Very, very soon. Uh, Davin is jumping in. Uh, that Find X2 Pro looks so nice. The vegan leather has me dreaming of an LG G4. Absolutely, man. The G4 with the G4 with the the, the vegan leather, and they had a couple. They had the uh, the more natural uh, leather looking one, and then they had the red one, which was also a limited edition. I think Juan Carlos had one as well. Um, Joe Hickey's in the comments. Sorry, I'm late. <laughs> I was bathing the uh, the bathing the bubble. Hey, man, the baby looks great, man. And uh, that was really a really nice picture, by the way, Joe. Um, on when you posted on on Twitter and Instagram, that was a very nice picture, uh, pixel picture, definitely. Um, uh, what do you think about the M51 and the X3 NFC? So the X3 NFC, I honestly, I think it's a great. I haven't had a chance to play with the M51. So the X3 NFC is my only experience, which I think the box is sitting somewhere in the wall right there. Um, for the price, honestly, there's not much you could say that this device doesn't do well for where it's budgeted for. Um, it's a great phone, a large display, large battery, fast charging, all the things that you normally want out of it. Um, and if you don't, or if you're not too happy with the ads and so on, you don't have to actually interact with it. You can disable some of those things in there. So I think as a as a phone, the X3 NFC is a, is a very nice and very good purchase. If you're thinking about upgrading to it, uh, just keep in mind for the price point, the features that you're getting. Uh, I still think that it gives you more from what, than what you pay. So it's a better bang for the buck always. Um, <laughs> my okay my find x2 uh, is the ceramic one uh better better for me because i like extreme skins hashtag <laughs> well we had to find a way to put extreme skins in the in the chat um so with that being said i, I will say uh, yes definitely if you have the leather one i would not recommend you putting any kind of skins on that um as you can imagine with any, any kind of adhesive even if the leather doesn't automatically uh, get damaged extended amount of time of that being on top of the leather it's just you know residue and a whole bunch of stuff it could damage it um, so for me if i'm going to use it and if you want to use it with the vegan leather they do include a case in the box which is really nice 
but seriously guys the color the fit the feel the material is just there isn't that many phones that do that and i i feel like we need more customization functions on the back like better designs like what we see here kind of like that dual tone panel that you see here there's like that nice line that goes at the top um vegan leather uh extend you know cases that do things or even cases like this this is like the lg v6 the, the lg wing one um, and I think the velvet came with something similar to this. Uh, Juan has has the one that came with the case. Uh, it's actually a you know credit card holder in the back, but it really looks really nice. Just gives us a nice little grip, and it's not glued to the back. There's not an adhesive there. It's just a non-slip material. Uh, but I like it. I, I'm really enjoying the form factor. The phone has um, a little bit of a weight to it. It's heavier than most other smartphones, but I feel like it's because of the mechanism. And of course, um, I really wish that we had uh, stereo speakers on this. That would have been one of my, my only things because I'm looking at it realistically from a mechanical standpoint. We do have the bottom firing speaker here, but if you swivel it open, and it's hard to tell on this end, there's actually an earpiece sitting in the back. I don't really know why LG couldn't have just said, uh, you know, let's just put a little bit of audio performance there so they can actually maybe give a little bit of extra sound. Uh, but overall, plays pretty well. And I saw Juan Carlos's video where he recommends us holding the phone in more of a kind of like the speaker is to the top so that the sound kind of emanates towards us as opposed to having it uh, go to the bottom. But yes, definitely. Uh, Adam is in the chat. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, man. Um, and of course, uh, I use my X2 currently oh, with marble extreme skins on, of course. Oh, Matt, definitely. Matt wants to get that picture as well. Oh, man. Uh, okay, so we miss our mods. Uh, Larco Zero, uh, Don Street on the other, oh, the other day. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. <sighs> Let's see who else. Is that. Oh, so IRA, hey, IRA uh, 1980 is in the chat. I, uh, I saw an unboxing of the iPhone 12 series uh, leather case today. They they look dope. Um, and the, uh, on the button, oh, speaking of which, I forgot. Yes, the iPhone's 12 mini and 12 pro pre-orders went up yesterday. Uh, covers uh, covers on all sides. Uh, well, for full protection, uh, more Android OEM need to do this. Absolutely. I mean, I think we need we need better cases uh, in general. But um, speaking of which, I decided to. Uh, <laughs> I, I I think I recognized it, Greg. By the way, and um, what happened essentially is that uh, yesterday's uh, the iPhone 12 Mini and the iPhone 12 Pro uh, 12 Pro Max came out. Now, one thing to mention is I actually have the 11 Pro Max that I've had for quite some time, and I use it for a lot of my B-roll as well as a lot of. Um, like sometimes when I want to be able to consistently take footage of myself and, and doing something as well as the actual device. So the cameras on them are actually pretty good. I decided to actually not go with the 11 Pro Max, or so the 12 Pro Max on the pre-orders or even the regular Pro or even the regular 12. But I decided to actually go for the 12 Mini. The, I feel like the Mini really is going to try to provide a unique experience. It's the most affordable iPhone 12 line of devices. It's obviously a little bit bigger than what we get with the iPhone, uh, I think it was the iPhone SE 2020, uh, but it has also lost a lot of the chin and forehead. So the iPhone 20, sorry, the SE 2020 is really more of a, a rebranded iPhone 7 or an iPhone 6 because it has the same body and the same style. The iPhone tw uh, 12 mini is really a 12 in a smaller form factor. So again, the same experience, just smaller. So we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, but I agree, yes. I think uh, we definitely need much better protection on any of our devices. Um, I don't know if the uh, limited green leather is available outside of the UK for anyone. Uh, I haven't heard of... I actually haven't seen that color for the uh, green leather uh, version of the Find X2 Pro. When you posted uh, about that, I, honestly, I was still on the coattails of the 
uh, Find X2, uh, basically uh, League of Legends edition that it, that we saw. And then, of course, there was the Gundam edition uh, that I forgot uh, we saw it also as well uh, posted about that. And then a buddy of mine in uh, in Qatar also posted about a soccer edition of the, another Oppo. So Oppo loves doing special edition custom custom edition and i i also want to say that there was probably an evangelion version at one point uh, and i think that one was also a european model as well so they always love to do special editions i wished that league of legend version was a find x2 pro nothing against the find x2 it's just i like the find x2 pro form factor it's bigger obviously there's all those things going on um but yeah no definitely i was very happy oh uh Okay, well, so we'll jump into Taskmaster's question in one second. Uh, it's hard to find a good leather case for non-Samsung and uh, Pixel and Android devices. Yes, when you start deviating from uh, first-party or you know OEM type of cases, it's hard. It's hard because it depends on the demand and what the company is going to be investing to be able to get the cases done with really like either high-quality leather or even really good, uh, like let's see, like the vegan leather that we see. Um, at the end of the day, I find that even the Find X2 had a hard time getting good cases for it. Uh, Matt can, you know, had it, Matt and I were trying to find a good case that mimicked the vegan leather on the outside while still protecting the device, obviously, on the inside. And that was a hard case. So for me, I honestly, I'm using the one that came in the box because that's easily the best case that I can find. And it still allows me to actually enjoy the color on the phone. Uh, the Find, the F17 Pro, I think, did not come with a case. I'm not sure. Uh, and there's also no screen protector. but it definitely has a large display, very nice, and uh, definitely quad camera setup, which I'm going to be checking out. An interesting design on the LED on the back. Um, okay, so let's jump into the first question. Uh, so we have here, Taskmaster is asking, Surface Duo or LG Wing, which one is better? So at the end, when we start looking at the wing and what the wing can do, um, one thing I didn't get a chance to mention in my video yesterday, which was, I hope that it was uh, something that people probably would want to know. So let me just go ahead and just do this here. Okay, so the LG Wing supports pen input. So let's just see, can we do this here? Yeah, so you guys can see it right there, LG Wing pen input on the top display. But it actually doesn't support pen input on the bottom display. This bottom display is not a pen functionality. So one thing I would probably say if I had to compare the two of those, because of that function only, the display not supporting touch sensitivity on the pen from both displays, I feel like the uh, the Surface Duo, from what it offers, it has its own unique experience for productivity, for multitasking. I still think the Surface Duo does it better for side by side application. Meaning, if you want to be able to run your mapping application, let's go ahead and just do this real quick. I got to remember. Um, one thing you also need to kind of remember is if you love playing with this phone the way I do, I like to basically unlock, swivel it, then try to unlock. There's no fingerprint sensor here. The fingerprint sensor is sitting right there. So you have to remember to unlock. So hit the fingerprint sensor and then swivel mode. And that gets you into it. Uh, but again, what I like about it is the fact that we're able to run. Let's go ahead and open it up here. And so here. So you can open basically multiple apps. And you can open them in different formats. So you notice out there, like I tilted the phone. And if I tilted the other way, it'll format itself to work to the to the level that you need. And of course, if we do it upside down, it flips it over and it gives you that same format. So those are things that I really like about the wing that the the, the Z sorry, the Surface Duo cannot do. So from an easy mounting functionality, like putting it in the car, mounting it in a car in a standard car mount, and using it in the car, I feel like the, the wing has a one leg up on it because it still works as a standard candy bar style holder because of the base is still there. 
Um, what I would say probably though is for for media consumption, I feel like it does a little bit better job. It has better cameras. So for media creation, as far as you know, social media things, taking pictures and so on, I feel like the LG Wing does a much better job. The gimbal mode is actually pretty decent in good lighting i would say always make sure that there is in good lighting uh, because what it's doing it's really it's shooting a 4k image and then cropping for stabilization but by doing so without enough light it actually gets a little bit pixelated when you're trying to zoom in or you're cropping in on an image so what i would probably say is productivity business work lg you know obviously service duo if you're looking for media consumption uh, and basically just video and gimbal stuff like that i feel like the wing would definitely be a better pick there uh, not, I'm not saying that they're in the same category because I honestly feel like they're uh, they're appealing to different uh, different type of consumers. They're not appealing to the same consumer. But if you're considering them, uh, just look at what makes more sense for you, what you're looking for at the end of the day. Uh, Mehmet is jumping back. I want. I was thinking about finding uh, buying the Oppo Find X2 Pro, uh, but it's not in here in Turkey, so I bought the X2. The X2 is also a very powerful device. It depends on the market that you're in. But again, uh, for me, it's it's nothing that the, the X2 can't do that the X2 Pro is that much. For me, it's more about uh, just the form factor. I'm always been a more, I always appreciate it more larger displays. Um, and there is something to be said about the technology that we have here. Again, QHD, 120 Hertz, uh, and honestly, one of the better panels I've seen today in 2020, uh, maybe closely resembling, obviously, what we saw with the OnePlus 8 Pro. And that's one of the reasons I like that. The OnePlus 8 Pro has so much more things that I love about it. But again, it's also the super fast 65 watt charging with this thing that you can charge this thing in crazy fast time. Um, one thing that we obviously appreciate on the OnePlus 8T now that also has the 120, uh, the 65 watt charging. But yes, the Find X2, definitely a very, very nice one. Steve DeRoche, good morning. Bonjour, mon ami. Uh, I missed the, I missed the leather back on the LG G4 a leather case on the V60 would be nice though. That is true. Yes. Yes. Speaking of which, I think now I was able to find a unlocked version of the V60 on Amazon for about 500 bucks. So the price on the V60 did drop a little bit unlocked, which means you could use it with any carrier. You're no longer like, you know, you don't have to get the carrier version of it. So, which is something that is very nice. If you never, never thought of it, the V60, honestly, to date, um, understanding that the velvet, understanding that the you know the wing are also very unique devices, but from a powerhouse level, runs the 865, gives you the best chipset because the the wing is running the 765G. By the way, it's a 5G chipset, but it's the 7 series as opposed to the 8 series. So while I still see that the V60 is the big daddy of all of the the smartphones that LG put out in 2020, I feel like the wing is the most unique. The V60 and the, Vel the Velvet have that dual display, but the V60 is truly king when it comes to the best photography, 4K60 all around on both front and back cameras. Uh, we have 4K30 on the front here and 4K60 uh, on the back. So I still think the V60 is absolutely great. I, I appreciate it. And again, good morning, man. Uh, I found loads of cases on AliExpress, so I'll be ordering some and I'll let you guys know. So let's do that. Once you get those, let's make sure to get you uh, get you on the show and we'll do a quick review of the uh, Find X2 cases that you get, uh, whatever collection you end up doing there. That'll be fun. Um, so, uh, okay, as usual, saying, Islam, uh, hi. So you're saying if BlackBerry sells BlackBerry OS phone with the Snapdragon, 6, the Snapdragon 690 priced at $250 made by... Uh, made in Bangladesh. What do you think about the BlackBerry OS uh, basically coming back? Um, 
So the first, the, the Snapdragon 660, 690 is a 5G chipset. So then we're automatically talking about, you know, the X51 modem, the Snapdragon 690 there. I honestly, StreamYard is, if, if nothing else, okay, we're back. So um, jumping back into the BlackBerry conversation, I think BlackBerry needs to have a presence. We don't have something that is taking really over what BlackBerry, BlackBerry has to offer. And I feel like BlackBerry needs to kind of truly become more in... Um, kind of like not just price because i don't think blackberry was always uh hindered by the price it's really more availability the 690 is a is a capable processor i haven't had a chance to play with many devices with the 690 um i know i've seen some devices with uh i think was it like the six the 630 and the 730 and the 720 and of course the 765 uh but as far as the 690 from what we've seen uh it looks like it's going to be a good chipset uh, it's going to definitely be more of a budget friendly device obviously as you said with 250 bucks and having the US, the connect, well, the experience that BlackBerry has to offer will definitely be appreciated. It's a little bit hard, uh, even at that price point, to try to say, is it going to make it? People need to, will need to find a reason for it. Uh, we have, um, you know, like uh, XDA and uh, what's it called? Um, FX Tech are doing a phone together that has obviously a full size keyboard. So let's go ahead and open this guy up. And this is something that, again, uh, only a certain number of people will appreciate having that. Uh, but it's the power of BlackBerry that we really need to be able to see. So in, in short, I'm excited to see something like that come out. Uh, I, we, I would be interested to see as to how the approach or how people actually uh, either A, go with it or consider it. Uh, okay, so let's jump in real quick here. Uh, so K1's asking, MacBook Pro or Surface Pro X, which one would, would be better? Uh, there's a little bit, so there's a, a a bit of both, right? You're you're comparing a device that runs a standard chipset to the MacBook Pro X. If I'm not mistaken, that one's running uh, a mobile chipset, so that's an Atom-based processor. So the experience is going to be a little bit different there. Uh, what I would probably say is just depending on what you're trying to do. If you're looking into more and you're comfortable using more of a VM experience on your device, so basically, you know, to try to get all the suite of applications to run, I feel like the, uh, you know, the Surface Pro X uh, definitely is something that you can consider getting. It's lightweight, it's easier to go around, much easier to carry. The, make, the MacBook Pro for me, being that I use a MacBook Pro, is more of a powerhouse. So if you're looking to something like the MacBook Pro, you're probably not really looking at the Surface Pro X because I don't think they're in the same uh, ballpark in performance. The MacBook Pro is a very powerful device, especially the latest editions, the 2016. Uh, I haven't seen much about the uh, the new version that's going to be coming out, obviously, the one with the, uh, the um, Apple uh, SoC. So that's going to be also something to consider. But that's a full-blown laptop to an Atom-based laptop. So it's something to keep in mind. There's a difference in the experience. Also, you have the Windows to Mac ecosystem. Uh, if your applications work on both, then it really depends on a, on a personal choice. Do you want ultra portability or do you want to go with the bigger laptop that's solid and of course known for performance? So hopefully that got one, that, that one kind of answered that one for you. Um, <laughs> I never knew that tie-dye uh, Great Britain shirts were a thing. Uh, <laughs> Steve, oh man. Yes, so um, they're not a thing. Uh, <laughs> So the, uh, we'll, a little bit of a recap for you, Steve, real quick. Um, 
this is actually my my this is my homage to uh so a lot of people are starting to get notifications for their playstations the playstation 5 shipping out and what my intention was and i just took your the comment just to show you the shirt real quick is this is intended to be more of a spider-man shirt i know it kind of looks like a great britain because of the obviously the the color scheme so but if you look at it from the sense here kind of like the spider verse kind of imploding from a tie-dye thing uh, that was the intention of it. Uh, but I saw somebody also up in the comments saying, like, yeah, it looks like Great Britain flag. But it kind of does. You're right. You're right. But it, to me, I'm envisioning Spidey, Miles Morales swinging, you know, across town. That's that's my <laughs> that's my thing. I, it is. I appreciate it. It is definitely very nice. And my wife did a, an amazing job um, putting that together. Um, okay. So, yeah. Okay. I think I'm catching up some of some of the comments. Uh, Davin jumped in TK. I don't think people, uh, give LG's new software, uh, center credit, uh, updates are more consistent on their phones. Uh, and these new features are well, uh, well thought out. Sam, so one thing I, I think I'm with you with, uh, with the update cycle, they're getting better. We do get updates on LG device. I mean, at least on the wing, I received two updates that came through from Verizon, but I think they've been more bug fixes. Um, LG software UI has been improving generation over generation. I'm talking about in 2020. So from the LG G8X to the LG V60 to the v, to the Velvet to the to the Wing, every single time LG releases their software, they've updated it. What I've been begging them though, which is really something that I hope that we that you know if you're listening, please follow through is I want to see those updates pushed back. Like one simple thing, swipe down to open notification is not present on the V60 with all of the updates that we received. Now I do have the T-Mobile version of the V60, so that may be a T-Mobile thing, maybe where LG released it, and just T-Mobile hasn't released it. I'm not sure. But that functionality for me, ever since the Velvet, has been like, I really want that. That's the number one reason I switched to a secondary launcher on any device right off the bat. If a phone is too large for me to reach the top, which is the case, I want to be able to swipe down. Swipe down to open notification is the answer. Swipe down for universal search. I don't really feel that. I feel like, you know, this is us trying to copy other things. And I, at the end of the day, just give us the option. Um, one thing to keep in mind while I'm talking about the swipe down thing, OnePlus also is implementing some new things in their beta channel where they're actually opening the shelf. What used to be the OnePlus shelf sitting on the left side and now being open every time you swipe down by default. And you have to change that to go back to the swipe down to notification. But I, yeah, I like it. Uh, TK is right. The duo was, uh, it, it actually, yeah. So Greg's Greg's in there as well. I feel like it is made for, for productivity. I think at the end of the day, when you look at it, the way it works, the way it forces you to use the two different parts of the desktop, you really see, and you get a lot of that, uh, I would say surface experience on that smartphone and, or that, you know, the, the, that tool I would say for productivity, that's the way at least I used it. And I had it for a month and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, uh, thanks for your response. You're absolutely correct, TK. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, like I said, it depends on what you're looking for uh, in, in what form, in what you're looking to get out of it. Um, Adam's jumping back in. Um, oh, <laughs> I have to head up, man. Great show. Keep it up. Great work. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Uh, and uh, yes, no, it's, it's one of those things. I, I appreciate everybody jumping in. Tech Odyssey, of course, Adam is in there. Uh, 
Yeah, TK and Matt Tyler live uh, live stream. What do you guys think? Absolutely, I think we should uh, we should definitely finally have um, our greatest. If you guys probably know or not, but uh, Matt is also one of our mods here over on the channel. So you know, if you see him interacting with you guys, talking to you guys, please, uh, you know, know he's 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 trying to help and make sure to keep everything kind of working uh, correctly. And I do want to say, if I haven't I haven't had a chance to see Aditya yet, but I want to say thank you to Aditya for a quick little tip that he gave me earlier. Um, on Twitter regarding some potential, sometimes we get some spam and stuff like that in the comments. And I was able to put in some some filters in there ahead, hopefully helping us with uh, not getting too much distractions going on. Uh, but Dominic, yes, I did. Uh, it's, it's StreamYard doing its thing at roughly at about 20, somewhere between 23 to 25 minutes or so. It does that every once in a while. It does the spinning wheel of death. So whenever I see that, I tend to just pause for a little bit and wait till I get back. Uh, let's see what else we have. Um, okay, so Matt's going to jump into audio only at this point. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to do audio only uh, while I take a trip to the store. Absolutely, man. Uh, oh, hey, Aditya is in the chat. Hey, good morning, man. Hope you're doing well. Sabaho. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you for the uh, for the tip on Twitter. Appreciate that. I had a chance to set that up ahead of the chat. So hopefully we'll see how, how that works. Uh, oh, wow. Okay, so there's a lot more comments. I just haven't been seeing them. Um, Dovert says, Sabaho, Ellen, Sabaho, welcome. Uh, TK, oh, here. I think that the teacher looks more like a, a union. <laughs> so, let me just say this we see what we want to see in what we are looking at, right? So, our experiences will always. Um, I would say basically color our eyes view of what we're looking at. I look at this and I see a Spider-Man shirt. You look at some people will see it and we'll see that, you know, the, uh, the Great Britain Jack or, you know, uh, I think, sorry, Union Jack in there or even the, uh, you know, the UK uh, flag. So to me, it's it's fun. It's It works with everybody. Um, it does look like Union Jack. <laughs> Oh man, uh, MacBook with an x86 Intel processors are limited in the current uh, climate due to the throttling. Yes, that that is known. Uh, we'll be interested to see what they what the performance with the ARM-based Apple's SoC. So the the the, syst the the hope is that they they get to do what they do with their iPhones, right? It's the ability of tailoring the operating system and the hardware. When you control every aspect of a piece of hardware you truly are able to tune it to the point where it works, hopefully, without any throttling, without any issues, and of course, pushing the limits of what we're able to do with our mobile devices and introducing new features. Those are the things that we hope that Apple is able to bring into the game. Now, the fact that they're not using an Intel-based processor, it, to me, at the end of the day, as long as our applications and everything that we normally use, so be it Final Cut Pro, Premiere, all of the major apps are compatible and they work as efficiently on a Mac than they work on a PC because that's the biggest difference, of course, that we're starting to look at, right? When we change from an SoC from one to the other, we are pretty much sure that Final Cut will get the built-in integration because that's an Apple product. Apple will take care of Final Cut right away. But will Premiere get the same treatment? That's the concern. For creators and producers or people that use third-party applications, it's always going to be an issue because like right now, like if I want to switch between an AMD or a Ryzen, uh, sorry, an AMD, um, so like basically an AMD uh, GPU or an NVIDIA GPU, I know that I have to stick with NVIDIA, not because I'm not a fan of AMD, but that's because my Premiere works best in an NVIDIA environment. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm happy with the performance as well. RTX is amazing. We get all the things in there. I've been, I've been on team NVIDIA for a while, but on the SOC, I've shifted Ryzen for years now. So to me, nothing against Intel, but I feel like Intel at this point is just 
not providing us what we want. They reigned for quite some time, and I think they maybe got to the point where they weren't very um, pushing the limit of the performance, bang for the buck. Prices were too high for their SOCs, and people were just having to basically settle in with more lower-powered uh, systems. Now with Ryzen, with the uh, 59, uh, the 5900X, which, by the way, I would love to be able to get that 5900X to replace my 3900X that I have in there, absolutely blows it out of the water. For about 500 bucks, the performance, the thread performance over there, crazy and for me that's what i need i need a fast processor that can handle my gaming experience but not only that gives me what i want and just gets get us gets us going all the way uh at a, at a good budget friendly price uh, my only problem right now is that, that would mean i need to change my motherboard my cpu and my cooler because it doesn't come with a cooler um although i'm wondering if the 3900x will work with it i haven't I haven't had a chance to look that up yet but we'll see so yeah uh, Dominic Wong says, I think the shirt looks more like Union. Yeah, I think so. There's a lot of different things. Um, get yourself a Spider-Man badge uh, to stick in the middle of the, <laughs> in the middle TK. If anyone can pull it, it would be a, so maybe, yeah. So let's, sorry. So we'll, we'll go ahead and do it like right there. We'll put a, a, a sticker in there or, hold on, let's see. Can we, let me see. Can we, ah, no, I didn't want to do this. Hold on, let's see. Let's see, can we do, Boom. Now we got it. It's a TK shirt. We got it. We're moving on. <laughs> It'll be available on the store uh, very shortly, guys. It'll be a custom shirt, definitely. Um, K1 is asking, uh, will Qualcomm Snapdragon, the Qualcomm Snapdragon chip can, be, it can beat Apple Bionic chipset? I think at the end of the day, performance-wise, year over year, from what we usually get on a daily, on an average usage, I think the performance is going to be uh, the same regardless of which chipset you're going with. The A13 was not as fast as the A65, but again, keep in mind the A65 came after the A13. So when you're looking at a development cycle of how things take time for them to be developed, my prediction for the 870, sorry, the 875 series or the next series of the, uh, the Qualcomm chipset right now is that they're going to be moving faster. The claim that Apple made regarding the A13 Bionic, uh, the A14 being faster, uh, sorry, I'll go ahead and put that one back there. Uh, oop, not there, and we'll stabilize it right there. Um, I think there are some some news articles or some people that were able to prove that it wasn't true, that as far as true, like, you know, that's faster than the 865 Plus. But at the end of the day, really, it's what we use it for. If you're using your chipset or your device for, I would say, casual usage, right? Your daily activity, checking email, social media, taking pictures, uh, editing the pictures lightly, um, you know, sending and receiving messages, WhatsApp, you, you know, all the different things that we normally do on the daily, not producing things. I feel like both chipsets will perform well. Where the, I feel like the A14 right now is showing us some really good improvements. It's where that power efficiency is coming in. They introduced 5G with the five nanometer chipset with the A14. That's something that we've had on a seven nanometer chipset with the separate modem that we have the X52 modem and the X55. And of course the X51 that's coming out with the 690. So when I look at them between those performance daily, it's, it's really what it's offering us. The, the iPhones right now, although they are running 5G, they're still they're suffering from battery consumption issues. And I think that's going to be something that I think generationally uh, Apple needs to fine tune and optimize with software updates. But it, short answer, general use, we won't really notice a big difference between the two. It's when we start looking into productivity, pushing the limits performance. That's when I feel like the five nanometer will work better. That's when I probably say that the A75, if anything, will probably match, if not provide us a more obviously a compatible comparable experience on Android and other devices than iOS, if if that's a way of saying it. Uh, Adita is jumping in. Oh, Adita jumping in saying hi to uh, Devin. I'm doing okay. Um, 
Hey, we're back. We went through another spin mode and in, in good timing, but about 30 minutes later. Um, what can, uh, what's considered more consistent updates for LG? Monthly, every four months. So typically, what I would probably say is a monthly update is the typical way. And I say that because that's what Pixel does it. That's what Samsung does it. Samsung is one of them. And that's what OnePlus does. So, right, we get day, monthly updates. If you get an unlocked model, you're getting monthly updates from these companies. And that's how it's supposed to be. It doesn't have to be a, a major update. Sometimes it's just a security patch update to, to match what Google's releasing. Um, I've seen other devices where they've been doing it every two months or so. So those things have also kind of changed a little bit. So as the device gets a little bit older, you get into the two months. I think if we're able to get a four months, somewhat of a consistent schedule from LG, I feel like that would be what we're looking for. Um, typically what's happening is that if you get a carrier version from any company, sorry, um, you're losing that function, right? You're losing the the ability of predicting when the update is going to come out. Because even though LG releases it, or if the LG releases it every four months, that update has to go to the carrier. The carrier has to bake in their versions, make sure to check it out, that it works with their systems. And that puts another month, maybe two months worth of delays on it. And depending on when it gets released, um, the OnePlus version of the, uh, the OnePlus 7T Pro McLaren edition last year is an amazing phone. If you picked up a UK version that didn't have 5G, you got consistently monthly updates from OnePlus and they fixed a lot of their problems on the, on the device. T-Mobile, in the time that I had the phone and I had it, I want to say in early December, uh, not take that back, I got it in December and I and I traded it in, in in March, in early March when I got my S20 Ultra. I got one update and that update was supposedly going to be fixing the 5G issue, which was draining my battery. The phone battery was just drained tremendously fast. Short answer is it's, I want to say consistency. That's what we're trying to hope from LG. Uh, if you're able to pick it up a lot, if you're able, if you're getting it from a carrier, as long as they're consistent pushing the updates to the carriers, then the offset from that will also be consistent on the carrier side. So hopefully that's what we're looking for, a more consistent update schedule. Uh, <laughs> there's a few people going on. Uh, Francis Kelvin is jumping in. Okay. Hey TK, I made a five hundred ma uh, sorry, I have a five hundred dollar max to spend on a phone. What phone would you recommend? Uh, do I to get? Um, I'm open to I'm open to an older flagship or latest mid range phones. Basically, I want I want a best value for the money. Um, so five hundred bucks is a reasonably priced device right now in twenty twenty. I would probably say if you're able to get a good deal, I say either on a Pixel four XL that would that to me is still a very good device. Uh, the V60 is a little bit more than that, which actually that, that doesn't make it there. The, oh, um, what was I going to say? The um, the Pixel 4 XL, the Pixel 4a XL, or sorry, the Pixel 4a 5G. I keep calling it the XL. I think that's that one actually is right on the mark. 500 bucks uh, still gives you the the nice functionality. It's a large display, good battery. And of course, you get the, all of the, the best imaging uh, technology, the same sensors as you see with the Pixel 5, bigger display, not a 90 hertz refresh rate, but... Overall experience should be pretty smooth with the what you get there with the 765G. So uh, I think the, the Pixel 4a XL, I, or I keep calling it the XL, but it's the 5G model, will definitely fit the bill, honestly. Uh, the other options at this point, uh, there's rumors, obviously, as you know, that there's going to be a new Nord coming in and there's a whole bunch of things coming up. Once the Nord shows up to the US market, I, I think that probably will be a little bit something for you to consider. Uh, if you're looking in the iOS uh, side, unfortunately, at under 500 bucks, the only the SE 2020 fits under that bill. But on Android, I would probably say go for the Pixel 4a XL uh, 5G. I gotta stop saying XL. 
that would be honestly my recommendation or go for the Pixel uh, 4XL from last year if you're able to uh, pick up a good one. Uh, because from the performance to just the sheer horsepower and the functionality, uh, there's a lot to be said about the 4XL from 20, uh, 2019 that is still relevant to this year because this year's flagship with the Pixel 5 is a 7 series chipset, which the 855 is still technically faster than that. You don't get 5G, but you're still getting a better performance phone and the cameras are absolutely great. And, and a more consistent software update schedule that uh, uh, Google always does a very good job of that. Um, uh, okay, so that was there. Hey, Sam is in the chat, finally made it. I currently am. I'm currently on a WebEx. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh man, so you're, you're doing double duty, man. Okay, so uh, trying to take a Guinness break. Uh, <laughs> you're trying to go for the uh, world Guinness World Record for conferences. I, I'm not gonna lie. I've done double duty on, on those conferences in the past and it is crazy, right? You put one ear in one and one ear in the other and you hope you can get the most out of all at the end of the day, I always hope this is at the end of the conference that they send us the slides. That just just be courteous, send the slides because people will have questions. But yes, good morning, Sam. Welcome back to the chat, man. Uh, I uh, Matt and I had a chance to play a couple of games this week. Uh, I haven't had a chance to play with the team, but hopefully this week, uh, coming week, uh, Sam, myself, and Matt, and we'll be, hopefully we can get Andrew back in the chat. And I think Ronaldo's trying to join the team, guys. Just a heads up, Ronaldo also wants to jump in. So hopefully we can get uh, my tech reviews as well in the chat. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, let me see here. Shafi Jim, uh, good morning, Shafi. Uh, so yeah, to, to all my all my buddies, all my friends in Arabic, uh, speak Arabic. Sabahu uh, ahlan Okay, so here this is a question from Shafi. Is coming in. Um, he's asking basically, what do I think of it? What do I think of the OnePlus Eight uh, Pro? Honestly, today, the way the, the way OnePlus has been working their devices in 2020, I feel like they didn't try to compete with each other, right? Typically, we've seen them go, you know, like the 6 to 6T, the 7 to 7T. And in general, the 7 is technically a little bit less power than the 7T. The 7T has always been that incremental upgrade. So what they did this year is they released the 8, the 8 Pro. And then they released the 8T, which fits right in between those two devices. So the 8 Pro is the best. It's selling for $200 off right now for $799 for their best version. So this is like the top of the line version of a OnePlus device, at least in the US. So I'm not sure if it's the same across. But the answer is, honestly, it's the best. It's the best that they have to offer. Um, you get the fastest internal storage, the fastest update. It's already running on Oxygen OS 11. So that's one thing that also kind of checks off the box on that. And of course, you're getting all of the main benefits of the fast charging, the fast wireless charging, reverse wireless charging, and of course, just the overall display, 120 hertz, QHD resolution, all of the things that you really like on this device. So I think for me, the, the Pro is the best, and I really hope that in next year, we'll see more new improvements, new functionalities. But I really wish we could get the headphone jack back. Honestly, I feel like that's something that we miss from OnePlus. Uh, and then, of course, other options, maybe new features in there. But I, I, if you're thinking about it, if you're looking into getting a smartphone from OnePlus, the best that they offer is the OnePlus 8 Pro. Hopefully, that that answers your question, Shafi, uh, and we can get that. Um, I bought four Moto G Power phones for under 20 bucks. <laughs> May I ask why you bought four of them? Uh, I, I mean, as long as honestly. There is a choice for many anything you can pick up. You have to consider the fact of what you're looking for. And as long as it serves the purposes of what you're looking for, 200 bucks for four phones is a, is a banging deal, man. It is absolutely a banging deal. Um, okay, so Dominic Wan's answering Davin Davis there. Oh, uh, 
<laughs> I think there's a few things going on back and forth there. Uh, just really focus on the DTS comments. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, definitely. A DTS being really cool. Uh, let's double check here. Okay. The K one's coming back saying, how much how much is speed difference between Apple's and NVMe and UFS three point one? It it's really hard to to express the difference uh, on internal storage on an Android device, specifically because it's hard to actually justify the action that you normally would use it that would basically give you that benefit. Now, we want faster read and write on any internal storage. I definitely appreciate that on my PC, but I can justify that because on my PC, when I'm doing rendering, when I'm reading and writing and I'm scrubbing through data on my PC, that read and write is a very big factor, uh, especially since you know you don't want to run obviously a move you know, any kind of moving hard drive. So the short answer is, how much faster one over the other? It really depends on what you're using it for. If it's on a smartphone, read and write for the most part is very similar, especially when you're looking at into basically daily activities. You're not doing a lot of read and write. A lot of it is storing in RAM downloading from the internet and very few of that information is on your phone except for when you open up and start editing videos or editing footage on your phone that's when you're doing a lot of read and write most of the time you're doing write because you're downloading and you put on and then you wipe if you're not using it either goes to memory or it goes to the storage so specifically as far as how much difference in speed there is i can tell you that anything above 3.0 on the on android and we're even on on ios when we start looking at the nvme system here the reality of the matter is it's just super fast SSD technology. It's just, it's the read and write is so crazy fast. They're not at the point where one of them will basically say, just because it's a little bit faster, that it's going to make your experience better. They're both fast. That's the best way to look at it. Um, so the reason why I think NVMe is not jumping in in there because of the fact that that is that would be a solid state. So you're looking at it more like PC type uh, storage over uh, Android storage. I think UFS 3.0. I think it's just the format, the file system that we're uh, using on there. And to me, it just works a lot better when 3.1 works a lot faster, at least for Android devices. And I can attest to devices that run UFS 2.1, comparing them to the UFS 3.0 or 3.1, there are very few cases, specific use cases that will justify getting that faster internal storage. Because for the most part, you wouldn't even notice it. Uh, okay, so I think Aditya is answering. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, okay, so Michael, uh, uh, Michael Corcoran, Corcoran saying, is asking, is MagSafe a proprietary scam? Uh, MagSafe is just a technology that uses magnetic uh, connectors, right? We used to have MagSafe on the chargers that Apple used to release uh, for their MacBooks, right? It was a way for people to be able to not feel bad that they moved their PC and incorrectly bent the cable that was connected to the PC. It was intended to be more of a protection system. They outlined, they took that out, but then we saw a lot more third-party sellers and companies that designed ca uh, cables that used the same type of connection, which is a magnetic connection to connect connect to connectors to allow us to basically connect them to smartphones and so on. So the reality of the matter is, yes, is Apple basically jumping in and saying, look, we own MagSafe. This is MagSafe. It's trying to build on that, uh, you know, people's name. So the, the really, the, it's truly just basically using the same tech. They're using strong magnets to make sure that your phone aligns correctly with the wireless charger automatically. And there's no question where the water wireless charger is going to be. So what they did is they fixed the problem of where 90% of us will always kind of like shift around trying to find where the wireless charger, because there's no big sign on the back of the phone that says wireless charger here. 
So that's something to keep in mind. If, if companies made it more clear on the back of their phones where the wireless charger, like some companies will put the NFC type, like um, I think when I say, no, Sony, Sony actually puts on the back of the phone a specific little NFC tag, a light, like the actual letters, NFC, so you know where your NFC tag is. We need something like that on Android. And once we have that, MagSafe becomes no special than, again, just magnets on the back of a charger that connect to a smartphone, a very strong magnet. That's really what it is. I don't think it's a scam. I think it's mostly just indicative indicative of what, what people are looking for. Uh, they want to basically have their connector magnetically supported. Um, it could be called MagSafe or it could be a magnet cable. It runs the same thing. Um, Matt Tyler... <laughs> Fireworks. Uh, let's see here. Oh, 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 that dang the okay. Uh, uh, okay. So one of the comments is asking me here is why do I always speak in English and not in Arabic? Uh, just for reference, this is my English live stream, so obviously I will be speaking in English in here. I did consider opening or having an Arabic live stream, so it's a little bit hard answering a question in Arabic over in the other. The short answer around this is if you're asking an Arabic question on an English live stream, it's going to be a little bit hard for me to answer you and not have to repeat it again in English. So just that's more of a common courtesy to everybody else in the chat. But I understand. Yes, I have to But yes, thank you. Uh, okay. Did anybody have any uh, have have a chance to mess with the ZTX on 10 Pro? Um, I want to say Adam from Tech Odyssey had a chance to. I'm not sure, but I want to make I want to say he's the one who's been, I've seen ZTE stuff on his channel. So I, but he he jumped in and had to jump out. So I'm not sure if he's he's still able to uh, if he sees this comment later. Hopefully, um, I thought I saw you were uh, getting a 5G on your P40 Pro. Yes, uh, on the P40 Pro and the uh, the Mate 40 Pro, I got 5G in the US. Um, and mostly, so just to kind of caveat that, this is AT, sorry, this is T-Mobile 5G in the US. So it does register as 5G, and I think I was able to get some decent speeds here. But this is a sub-600 uh, type of 5G, not ultra-wideband, so not Verizon style. So for me, I always run them on T-Mobile. Um, I do run the AT&T version of them sometimes, but I want to mention that the AT&T side, for some reason, since I don't have an AT&T 5G account, it doesn't register 5G on my phones. I still get the 5G-E, that little, the 5G, uh, whatever, fake 5G. Short answer is um, it's T-Mobile. <laughs> that would be the T-Mobile answer there. Um, and it, it does work with the Ballon, uh, the, the Ballon uh, 5G modem that uh, Huawei uses on their smartphones. So it's not an issue. Connectivity works fine. Uh, HSPA Plus is also pretty good. So even if you don't get 5G realistically, uh, they have enough compatibility on the bands, at least in Los Angeles for me on T-Mobile, that I'm able to get decent speeds. So I never have a problem with that. Uh, okay, so Davin Davis, I think, is jumping in. Let me hear... Uh... Yes, uh, what uh, Phil gaming? Oh, okay, so let's look at it this way. Um, what do you feel is the future of gaming smartphones, and how is the development holding up in the future? So, as far as gaming smartphones, the the category of a gaming smartphone right now is uh, it's a very very small specific niche market or uh, niche market, I would say. Um, 
the key features that make a phone a gaming phone are very specific. And I talk about basically any kind of augmentation to the phone to allow it to be more like a PC. So the Red Magic 5G is a perfect example. They include triggers on the side. They also include a built-in fan, an actual moving fan that sits on top of the SoC to try to cool the system down. So to me, that's a gaming phone. When you take those two pieces out, I really don't see a big difference between a gaming phone and what a standard flagship can do because at the end of the day, a gaming phone needs to run a very fast processor. That's a flagship processor. Uh, it needs to have fast sorry, it needs to have fast internal storage. It needs to have uh, obviously connectivity. It also needs to have the ability to basically run to run the latest games at the best possible way, which means a high refresh rate, bright displays, all of those things. And I think gaming phones do those, they do them very well. But I actually feel like, you know, OnePlus, Oppo, Samsung, some of those devices now, the flagship versions of these devices operate so well that they do a really good job. So the development on this thing, as far as gaming phones, we need to find more gaming specific uh, use cases. The RG Phone 3 obviously is a perfect example of what we have there. We used to have the Razer phone. That unfortunately is not there anymore. But the short answer is it's the accessories. It's the augmenting of the what you can do to the smartphone that will allow it to be more functional in a gaming environment. So joystick control, things that basically, as opposed to having to go out and buy a Kishi controller for a hundred bucks, having those triggers on the side is a big plus. That's a savings for the person that's trying to play games. So the development in that aspect, I mean, we want to see obviously better graphics. We want to be able to jump away from that just 1080p at 144 hertz. We want to be able to go to 4K 120 hertz. So that I think, or even QHD at 144 hertz. Those are the type of technology improvements that we want to be able to see. But at the end of the day, I want to see more development from the software companies, the gaming companies, to take advantage of 144 hertz. You know, playing Fortnite at 90 frames per second on a OnePlus is amazing. But I would imagine playing it at 144 hertz the way I can play it on my PC is even better. So those are the things I'm looking for. And I hope as far as the development coming up in the near future. Um, let's jump in real quick here. Oh, here. Uh, but wireless charging is only possible through MagSafe, right? No. Um, sorry, uh, let me finish the question. So you need a proprietary hardware uh, for uh, benefiting for the fast wireless charging. So MagSafe as a, as its own, the, the, the iPhone still uses Qi wireless charging, right? The MagSafe technology as a charger optimizes the charging because of the fact that it forces it to be in the right spot at all times. It doesn't mean that if you take your iPhone and you put it on a Qi charger, it won't work. It's not a proprietary sense of the, you won't be able to charge it wirelessly and you know you need to have a MagSafe. At the end of the day, I feel like Apple's ecosystem of proprietary content, uh, content is well known. We've known that they do this all the time, uh, but it doesn't mean that you know they're not gonna allow third parties to be able to basically license the technology and be able to release and sell other accessories at a much lower price than having to pay the, you know, the Apple premium, I would like to say. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, anything anything, and everything that Apple does or any, I mean, any company that's releasing a phone, I mean, let's just be realistic from a business standpoint, they're not doing it for us. They're doing it for them, right? They're doing it in the sense, the how do they provide a better experience for their customers so that they become more successful? How do we provide uh, an ecosystem for customers to benefit out of all of the services that we can offer? So at the end of the day, if you really look at it, it's like it's a relationship between the two. But at the end of the day, they are benefiting from it. So when Apple removes a charger out of the box, but then still offers to sell you that box for 40 bucks later, that includes another box. Does it really, really... Men, is it really meant to save the environment or is it really more for them to charge for the charger now? And and the fact that they just don't want to make the cheap chargers anymore. 
that's just, it's, it's a point of reference. I'm not trying to pick on Apple. I'm just mostly just like when they made the announcement and in the same breath as saying that we're trying to save the world by not putting in a charger in there, but yet you'd have to buy a separate entire box that includes a charger that can provide you that fast charging and top it off. MagSafe doesn't come with a charger. You have to buy a charger separately. So that's another thing. Um, uh, where is it here? Okay. I think that was the one we were just answering. Let's jump back. I think Davin jumped in here. Uh, Roger Kuma. Oh, here. Uh, so Michael uh, Corrigan is saying, I also don't really like the design of gaming phones, which are too vibrant. It's really trying to, it's more of the RGB coloring kind of thing. So it's a PC thing. If, if you're into the PC gaming and the way you want to get RGB, like for me, guys, even though I don't show it in the video here, my PC down there is like RGB galore. Uh, and because I'm running Ryzen, it's orange everywhere, right? And, you know, all the way from the cooler to from basically the uh, the RGBs that I have in my uh, directly within the uh, actual uh, GPU to the motherboard. It's just a personal preference. You can customize it. But the flashiness is, is really based on that. Uh, it's trying to feed into the gaming sense. Uh, if it was trying to shoot for a regular phone, I think they would, be, they would tone it down a little bit. I think the Red Magic 5S is a little bit less... I would say not overstated, but less um, less flashy, design-wise. Uh, we need better mobile games too if we want the future of gaming phones. Absolutely. It, 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 first and foremost, it's there's one thing to be said that there's a car that can go 100 million miles an hour and you can have the fastest car in the world. But if there's no road for you to drive that car on, is it really worth it? So at the end of the day, we really need games. We really need development to actually start pushing the limit. We've seen 60 hertz, we've seen 90 hertz for quite some time. We've seen 120 hertz now for since the beginning of last year. But the fact of the matter is a lot of developers, a lot of gaming developers are still factoring in the, com the, the most common denominator when it comes down to refresh rate, which is 60 frames per second, because they're realizing a lot of people are playing games on 60 frames per second devices that are playing on 90 or 120 or even 144. So till that, till that tipping point kind of shifts over, the example would be the X3 NFC or the Poco phones or any of the other phones that come out that have higher refresh rate at a lower price point. We're going to start seeing developers answer to that. So that's the goal is to see what developers are able to provide us. Once they realize that their users are demanding more and the, the common denominator is no longer 60, maybe 90, maybe 120. Um, I have, I'll have, I'll have words. Uh, I'll have words uh, with gaming phones are beautiful. Personal, in my personal opinion, absolutely. Matt Tyler is hundred percent right. Uh, the ROG Phone Three was in it. It was a beautiful beast. Uh, the and we are back. I went frozen for a few seconds there just to see if you guys were paying attention. Uh, actually, no, sorry. That was just uh, StreamYard being StreamYard. Um, but yes, uh, as Matt Tyler's comment is the uh, essentially, yes, gaming phones are, I think they, the designs are very nice. There are some gaming phones that could definitely benefit from a little bit more design work. But the short answer is I think Red Magic 5G, honestly, for me is a it looks really nice that the design was way better than what we saw last year with the Red Magic 3. So for me, that looks great. The RG Phone 3 looks uh, very nice. Haven't had a chance to play with it yet, but I, I, I understand the benefit of uh, having those things. But again, it's a personal choice, and that's why we love competition, because you get to pick what you like. Um, Marju is this cheap USB-C Nokia 3.4. Um, 
I'm, I'm not sure what that means. Uh, do you mind if you don't mind asking the question? Because I, I think this is more of a statement, so I, I don't know. Uh, da, da, da. Okay. Uh, B's jumping back in and saying, Apple's trying to do everything to squeeze every inch of margin. Smaller boxes for increasing num uh, number of boxes they can ship uh, in one go. Absolutely. That's that's another way. I didn't think about it in that sense. Uh, doing their own silicon, uh, you know, stern app store policies, uh, mono, uh, monopolist, sorry, uh, monopol monopolistic. I hope I said it correctly. Um, absolutely. I, I think... They have a so there is a reason why people use the word walled garden when it, when they use to the iOS ecosystem. It truly is a self inclusive entire experience. Um, re, you're right. Reducing the size of the box means they can ship more iPhones in the same container than they used to be before, which means they can get more units over here. But they've also kind of diversified their iPhone uh, line of devices this year. So we went from three phones in one year. Right last year we had the 11, 11 Pro, and 11 Pro Max. That was it. Um, this year, we have the SE 2020, we have the Mini, we have the regular 12, the 12 Pro, the 12 Pro Max. That's a lot of phones in one year. So the ra the reality is, and if they start shipping all of these phones with no chargers, yes, they can definitely fit more boxes. But at the end of the day now, I don't think their margins or their profit margins are going to be as high. I think people are that are looking at the 11 Pro Max right now at 1100 bucks or 1150 bucks, depending where you're getting it. It, it's a really tough sale. It's a really tough, uh, tough case to be made to say, look, that phone is really worth it. Because at the end of the day, unless you're looking for a large display, which I personally like, um, and you're looking for that specific, you know, the camera optics there that are different on the 11 Pro Max, I think, I honestly think that the 12 Pro is more than capable. The 12 will do a really decent job. And if you're looking for a small iPhone, uh, the iPhone in 2020, which that kind of disappeared for some time, like overall, other than the SE. I think the 11 mini is going to, sorry, the 12 mini is going to do the job, but again, it's diversifying the lineup, uh, but everything has to stay within Apple. It's like, you know, the fast charger is an Apple charger. MagSafe is directly from Apple. Uh, what we are looking at essentially is truly a system that you go into knowing that everything you're going to basically have at home has to shift over. HomeKit, uh, Apple TV, all of those things that you need to jump into just to truly get that fully seamless experience. And we can't really say that Android doesn't have a similar experience, except that Android does have options. We have Android TV. We have smart things that are in my Samsung. That's not all Android specifically, uh, you know, made by Google. And of course, you have different selections of things that you can do. And there's so many more manufacturers and so many much, so much more selection that it comes on when it comes to Android devices. And I think that's one of the reasons why I like the Android ecosystem a little bit more. Customization, selection, choice is always going to be there. Uh, and we're getting it's getting a lot better too. Android 11 is doing a really good job. And I really like what we're getting from different companies. That's very nice. Uh, let's see if I can jump here without having this jump 6,000 miles an hour. Uh, Michael jumping back. Yes, um, they allow third party to, to do MagSafe, but they don't let them uh, charge the Max uh, the MagSafe at 15 watts. So it, it's one of those things that, again, the, the choice at the end of the day, you're going to benefit, obviously, of charging the iPhone on a wire charge with their fast charger. I think wireless charging at 15 watts even though it sounds like it's a fast wireless charging, um, I hold on. What is this? <laughs> this device charges at 50 watts. This is 50 watts of wireless charging, not wired. Wired is 66 watts. 50 watts wireless. Uh, the OnePlus Seven, the OnePlus Eight Pro charges at 30 watts. So although 18 watt or uh, you know 15 watt or 18 watts are considered to be fast for what iPhone has had in the past, at the end of the day, I still think if you're looking for fast charging. 
buy their fast wire charger and that's the one you should be using because wireless charging at that speed is truly more of a topping off type of an experience but not necessarily charging it from zero to 100 it'll take too long uh, to charge a device uh, regardless it's not fast enough in my opinion so Mehmet's jumping in. So, so does fast charging kill batteries? Yes. Depending on, so I'll, so I'll take that in two folds. Anytime you're generating a mass amount of heat, trying to push or trying to charge something very fast, you're going to be generating, obviously, uh, you're going to heat up the elements. You're reducing the quality of the product over time. What that means essentially is anytime you're trying to overheat it, if you run the device too long and it's running hot for too long, you're something is going to damage obviously the silicon is intended to work well but battery degradation or battery health does actually can tend to basically suffer from it uh different companies are approaching it in a different way now oppo's approach to this where we do see a 65 watt charger here it's not charging one battery at 65 watts it's actually charging two small batteries that total up to about 4500 watts that gives you the ability of charging them and keeping the heat uh, temperature on this also under control which is one of the reasons why i really liked about it uh, oneplus did a great job with their 60 uh, 65 watt charger the temperature on that while charging at 65 watt not once crossed the 100 fahrenheit 100 degrees fahrenheit which is roughly almost about that 40 degrees uh, celsius if you're looking at it there so for me Things like that. Uh, HS power control on Sony devices also do a really good job. And that is by far the only phone that I've seen to this day that allows you to A, plug your phone in to the wall, basically charging it or connecting it to a charger, but not charging the phone. It actually uses the power from your power bank, from the, from the uh, power brick to use the phone, meaning you're actually running the power off of the cable and the battery is not being charged, meaning the battery doesn't actually get uh, battery issues over time. Um, Oppo also introduced uh, the the specific time full charge for the overnight charging uh, people that like to overcharge you know to charge their devices overnight, meaning it doesn't allow the phone to go to 100 uh, percent when it's on the charge till a specific time. Let's say you're going to wake up at 6 a.m. in the morning. It knows when you're waking up and it keeps the device running at about 70 to 80 percent. So it charges up to 80, stops, keeps playing the allowing the phone to stay around that timeline. And once it gets to the point where it can project the time of basically like 6 a.m. charging. It allows it to charge to 100% and allowing the battery to have better life. So the the point of the answer is speed charging over time can damage if it if there's no protection measures put in. HS power control is one of them, but they can also do a lot of software improvements. But that's part of how it is. Uh, fast charging always generates heat. Oh man, yes. Yeah, so like, uh, da, 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 da. <laughs> Oh my God, you guys are you guys are having way too much fun with this. Uh, Dominic Juan jumping. Okay, good. So I think I'm I've hit. Oh no, TK David Davis jumping back with another one. Sorry, uh, TK. Doesn't the ROG Phone Three now have a similar battery case uh, feature that they've, uh, that they've done? So I want. I haven't had a chance to play with it. I read somewhere, but I can't confirm it. So unless Matt can jump into this with it, uh, with a confirmation, um, does the does the R well, did the ROG Phone Three? Because I think you had one. Um, have uh, HS power control functionality. So something like what we've seen with Sony's. I think that that would be a very big benefit. But again, very few companies are putting it in. Sony, for, for the most part, is what's highlighted it for me. Um, ROG, at least on the ROG Phone 2, does not have that. I know that. It doesn't have it on the 2. So if the 3 brings it in, um, my question would be is how come we're not getting it on the, on the 2? Because I think it's a totally software thing where essentially the system allows the power to pass through to charge the phone. Sorry, to power the phone but not charge the battery. So essentially almost like an e-switch to turn off battery switching. 
Um, well, let's see. Let me double check here. Da, 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 da. Okay. Um, I did want to say one thing real quick with the, while I'm waiting for some more comments to come in. Um, so one thing about the uh, the, F, the F17 Pro is that this is actually running a, a MediaTek processor. So it's not running a Qualcomm processor. Uh, it's a MediaTek, and I'm reading I'm reading this mostly, guys, because I don't really know. It's the P99. It's the P995, if I'm not mistaken. Where is this? I'm looking at GSM Arena. Uh, if I can ever find where the SOC is, okay. So it's no, it's a P95. It's a 12 nanometer processor. So obviously not the eight, not the seven, not the five, and. Uh, Oh, okay. So I've seen it right there. And then uh, we have a quad camera. The, the cameras on the back are uh, dual 16 megapixels, a two megapixel and uh, with HDR. So it looks like it's triple cameras, not quad. Uh, oh no, the selfie camera is a 16 and a two. Uh, the back main cameras is a 48 and eight, a two and a two. So essentially a 48 main and eight wide. Um, and of course uh, we have a two megapixel depth and two, two, two different mega uh, sensors for depths. So the reality, which they actually kind of look like it, the two bottom sensors look exactly the same. But on the front, we have a 16 and a 2, and of course, HDR 1080p 30, 4K 30 on the back. So I'm I'm actually really excited about that. Let's see what Matt jumped back in there. And oop, sorry, one second, Rajat, I'll uh, jump back into you. Uh, so what I've what I've seen rumors, it, it looks like ASUS are bringing it to the ROG phone too. No confirmation from them on what the time frame. Okay, so it's a feature that they're looking to bring in uh, from a software standpoint. So no word as far as when that's coming in yet. Um, Rajat's jumping back in. I think the ROG Phone 2 has it, but hoping we get it on the ROG Phone. Okay, so the Phone 3 has it. Uh, yeah, so hopefully we'll be able to see that as well. Uh, da, da, da. Ah, okay, so B is jumping back in. Uh, Apple's A14 uh, is a is a beastly, uh, uh, sorry, is beastly, and the gap is so wide between the A14 and the best Qualcomm. What can they do to compete? Because powerful, so, okay, because power of the silicon, Opens so many use cases. Android and Samsung fan uh, Exynos region here. Um, so we really need to look at it from what we're using it for. Not necessarily just because this car can go 60 miles and this car can go 70 miles an hour. Both cars are fast because you have to also consider what point of reference you're looking at it. If you put them on their own, the 865 Plus is a very capable processor. Uh, what Qualcomm did in 2020, or at least in the end of 2019 with the 865 chipset is... They bridged the ability of basically saying, look, we can give you a mid-range processor at the 765 series with 5G, and you'll still get the 865 experience from the daily activity usage. What the 814 or the 813 Bionic is really going to basically provide you those, those things is if you're using it to that full potential. If you're playing those type of games, you're playing those type of 3D games in the, in the examples that they've shown you, if you're using them for the general use, again, Waking up, checking your news feed, checking your news, uh, your social media feed, posting pictures, taking pictures, answering emails, opening and closing uh, news applications, or just doing normal, I would say, um, general daily activity. The A14 is no different to you than the A12 or the A11 or even the A uh, the, the A A13 Bionic. You wouldn't know the difference. So again. Just because a number on a benchmark says that this SOC is faster than this SOC, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to. Okay. 
sorry, uh, just jumping back into it. What I'm trying to say essentially is that this does not really translate into real world benefit. The A14 and the A65 on a smartphone right now will look exactly, will load applications for the most part in the exact same way and almost as fast. And the reason behind that is they're both very fast cars. They're both very fast processors. Not We're not comparing the, the new A14 to the slowest Android smartphone. It's not a competition in that sense. A person that's running the A14 will not have an 865 in a phone. They don't sell iPhones with the 865. So a comparison between those two is not a true just a judgmental or I would say a true comparison to actually say apples to apples. We're looking at an Apple to an Android. Uh, but when you compare an Exynos to a Qualcomm chipset that runs on the same phone, like say the Note 20, the Note 20 Ultra, those two devices come with a specific chipset in the US market as a Qualcomm 865 Plus. If you go to Europe, you're getting the Exynos 990. To me, that's a better competition or a comparison because at its core, the hardware is very similar. The same user that uses a Note 20, if they live in Europe, they can buy one with the Exynos 990. And if they live in the US, they can buy one that has the, Ex the uh, Snapdragon 865. Comparing the A14 to the 865, it truly doesn't make a difference because a person that's using the A14 will never see what an 865 performs because generally that's an iPhone user and they're going to use it there. And if you're an Android user, you're never going to pick up your iPhone and say, wow, this iPhone is faster. It, that experience is truly subjective to what you need it for. So if you're Apple, team Apple or you're team Android, whatever you get, you're going to be happy. So I really think we need, we don't we don't want to basically just jump in and um, allow basically numbers on a on a benchmark. Remember, guys, I'm the guy that says benchmarks are not everything, always. So let me jump back here real quick. Um, I think you're answering there. Da, da, da. Oh, issues are slow uh, slow with update. I assume something that that they were bringing early mid next uh, next year before the RG four. <laughs> the RG Phone 4 release uh, can't, be can't be implemented as well. Um, I will say, though, Matt, honestly, from my end, uh, with the version of the RG Phone 2 being, uh, I think we both had the same RG Phone 2 at some point, uh, is the, 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 the Asian one, the, the, tri the, no, the Tencent edition version of the RG Phone 2. I'm still getting updates. They're on point. We I got the Android 10 update, which was reasonable. Uh, I still get security patch update. And I think just last week I got an update, and I'm assuming that was my October security patch update. So to me, honestly, the only thing I had to do with it is just sideload Google Play services at the time, and it works absolutely great. They're great. Uh, and I'm not sure if it's just that the Tencent edition has better support, because I think the version you got of the ROG Phone 3, uh, Matt, was the uh, European model that was released in, in, in France. Um, Davin's jumping in. Uh, I'm more curious about Samsung's Exynos chipset for the next year. Without the old custom chip, they may really compete versus Qualcomm. So at the end, so this is where, where the challenge happens, right? Last year and the year before, the, the, by the way, the Exynos 990 was not the first time where Qualcomm started to show a lead ahead of the Exynos uh, chipset with their processor. We saw that with the 855 as well. Uh, so the 865 obviously did push through. The 990 is obviously going to be, it was... I'm hoping that the 990 is a great learning experience, and I'm hoping that in 2020, the next generation of Exynos processors will compete a little bit better. I'm hoping they also go into the five nanometer processing power. Those are the things that we want to be able to see. Everybody's jumping into it. Huawei jumped into it. Apple's jumping into it. I'm predicting that, uh, that Qualcomm is going to go into it. I don't know, but I would imagine five nanometer being the next processing level. Uh, just from a power efficiency, overall performance, I, I always appreciate that. Um, 
but at the end of the day, yes, Samsung definitely needs to bring up uh, their 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 processing power game right now, uh, mostly because of what you're looking at it from a daily activity, right? So what do you see as far as just overall performance? You don't want a phone that overheats when you take a few pictures. And you obviously don't want to notice a lot of issues as far as when you take a few images and you notice that there's a lot of stuttering going on with the camera app. But at the end of the day, guys, if there's one thing that I would probably say that Juan Carlos will say always, your smartphone, if you're using it on a daily basis and even your best smartphone is having a little bit of a hiccup in the camera app, at the end of the day, that just shows you that even the best SOCs relies on everything. It's a component uh, experience. Everything has to drive well and every company does a little bit on, on top of what the Android ecosystem is already to make the phone do what they want. Uh, what LG is doing with the Wing is essentially giving us that experience where the wing becomes functional. And that little second delay, which may drive some people crazy, is LG doing their work on top of Android? Because Android wasn't intended to work with these two, uh, this type of screen. So yes, I, what I'm trying to say is I hope that LG, sorry, I hope that Samsung's SOC does improve. Uh, but again, we'll have to wait to see what actually Qualcomm has to offer. Because if they improve to match the 865, they're still going to have people talking about the fact that, you know, they're as good as 2020's uh, chipset where Qualcomm is jumping into 2021 with their next flagship. So we'll have to see. Um, so, yeah, I know. Sorry, guys. I keep every once in a while, I keep freezing up a little bit. Um, one of the reasons Apple and Silicon is so much powerful, it's because they ex uh, they expect... Uh, they, uh, sorry, they expect to support the iPhone as many, as an example, as least six years. Um, just look at the iPhone 6S, which uh, came out in 2015, which is running the A9 SoC. Um, because Apple's ecosystem has been consistently running a small number of batch of phones every year, they don't have a massive library of devices to, to, to build up on. This year, this is the first year they released four phones. So if they consistently continue with this, which means every year, 2021, we'll have another four phones and four phones and four phones. I also honestly would predict that iPhone's uh, longevity for support may kind of slow down at some point. Uh, but the fact, yes, you're right. They need to make sure that the system runs a powerful enough SOC. Uh, but the end of the day, just to kind of, kind of point of reference IR uh, is... The A9 is not running as smooth as it ran when it first came out. Every generational upgrade of iOS tends to be more favoring the latest and greatest SoC, meaning the A14 and the A13 are going to be running iPhone, uh, the basically uh, iOS 14 beautifully. Uh, now, does the, A, uh, the A12, the A11 uh, will do the same depending on the device? For me, historically, every time I receive an update, my device starts getting a little bit slower. And as you know, as time goes on, I, Apple will you know, at some point start throttling the battery because battery degradation, they throttle the device, slowing it down a little bit. So the short answer is it's a operating system optimized to run on their devices. The same way Google optimizes their Pixel devices to run best with their, with their software, even if you're receiving a software two years after, that's part of when you control the software and the hardware. When you can dictate the two, you can make it, it you can make it so that it works great even after a couple of years have gone by. So definitely. Dominic Wong, I yeah, and I'm hoping you guys are not doing any screen grabs of this stuff because I'm probably like, like, no, sorry, just messing with you guys. Um hey TK, I didn't realize this was live. YouTube autoplay is on. Oh, uh, yeah, no. So Saturday morning with tech every Saturday, 1040, 1030 to 1045 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. I apologize for the few minutes being late this morning. Uh, it was more about 
Um, honestly, I was just trying to figure out the thumbnail for the video because I wanted to kind of just put together something that was a little bit intriguing. Uh, but the short answer is, uh, yeah, no, Saturday morning, every, every Saturday morning, I try to go. Uh, and although... I do get the little spinny wheel thing where we're phasing out. That's more of a, um, I would call it, again, um, a stream yard, not, not my system at all. Uh, here, Rajat says, um, I think Asus calls it bypass, a bypass charging on the RG Phone 3. Yes, which essentially is exactly the same as HS Power Control, which allows you to run the phone off power, but not have to worry about charging the battery. So definitely very nice. Um, here. So I think, yeah, there's, there's both good and bad. Yes, no, definitely. Uh, da, 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 da. I think I saw somewhere where somebody was talking about StreamYard and it, and it, and it did the speed. StreamYard has this one thing that uh, gets a little bit for me. So because it aggregates the comments from multiple sources, uh, it doesn't run a live count. What I mean by this is as if you guys are on YouTube or if you're on Twitch, uh, you're seeing the live comments come in as they come in. But for me, I think they load as pages. So while I'm reading a comment or answering a comment and I, I decide to just move the slider ever so slightly on my side, it jumps down to the bottom side of those comments. So I have to actually kind of scroll back up to catch up where I was before. Uh, so here, let me just go back real quick. Oh, okay. So uh, as far as the battery life on the, on the wing, actually it's been pretty consistent for me. Uh, I haven't been able to get... Uh, Verizon's 5G running all the time where I live. So I've been I've been mostly on 4G LTE, which could be the uh, fact attributing to it. Now it's running a slightly smaller, I'm not going to say smaller, it's a 4,000 milliampere battery, it charges pretty fast, and it actually runs pretty nicely. Uh, and the fact is, uh, because it's running a 1080p panel and, the and then the second display is a much smaller display, we're not running two full displays, and you... Don't run them all for this thing. Okay, so we're back. Sorry, uh, StreamYard being StreamYard, it's uh, doing that thing. Um, consistently running it, so basically picking it up around 5 o'clock in the morning off the charger and putting it back on uh, about 9 p.m., and I still have about 20%. It's consistent. It runs normally. Um, it's one thing to keep in mind, though, that I don't run it in, in swivel mode all the time. I do tend to watch content if I'm doing a couple of things during the day. But for the most part, I you tend to remember to use it in normal mode. And then you turn on swivel mode when you need it. So it, it works. Battery life is really nice. Uh, but I, I wasn't in, your, in, uh, in Verizon 5G all the time. So for me, I think because I'm in 4G LTE, it tend to be a little bit better. So I'll, I'll try to find a little bit more time to spend in an area where there's more true uh, Verizon 5G coverage and see if that actually puts any tax on the battery. Um, the last time Qualcomm failed against the Exynos was, uh, was the eight, uh, 800, 810 days. <laughs> That's one way of looking at it. Uh, after the Qualcomm, after that Qualcomm just kills uh, Exynos, uh, be it performance or efficiency, standby drain time uh, on the Exynos. Hope years uh, will different. This year will be different. Yes, it's a, it's been literally about three or four, three. I want to say three years when we started Shane, seeing the shift. Keep in mind, at one point, Exynos used to lead. It was not always the case. So that that to me is always going to be something to keep in mind. Um, is USB three faster than Thunderbolt three for transferring data uh, from your smartphone? I, I would say not, not as much, uh, at the end of the day, just the data will transfer as, as fast as your system is allowing it. So there's a, 
there's a system level experience. So it's three USB 3.1 faster. Uh, to my understanding, if I'm not wrong, guys, you can correct me. I think Thunderbolt 3 is faster than USB 3.1 for transfer data, but it depends on smartphones because so here's where internal storage kind of play a factor when you're transferring data on and off. If your read speed is faster on your internal storage, you need to be able to get obviously a faster transfer rate on the, on the transfer protocol. So Thunderbolt 3 will obviously work better. Uh, but at the end of the day, it just depends on what you're trying to do with it. Thunderbolt 3 is also used for external uh, peripherals, as you know, like external GPUs and so on. So those to me, that's why that standard is a lot faster. USB 3.1, I feel like is a great interface and it works really nice but it's more consistent for third-party Apple devices. So I feel like Thunderbolt has always been more consistent. And even with the, you know, with laptops that don't support it, you'll notice a big difference. People seek Thunderbolt 3 and USB 3.1. So it's not generally one or the other. You'll usually get both if you have Thunderbolt 3. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, oh, Matt Tyler. I don't know. What the guy, did I miss a comment from Matt? Where are you, Matt? Where are you? See, this is what happens. It jumps like pages and pages and pages. See, like I missed this comment from uh, Greg All. Uh, hashtag uh, t uh, <laughs> Team Android, Team Pixel, Team Pixel 4XL. Absolutely. Uh, oh, here it is. Ooh, uh, one of my daughter's uh, test results came back negative. Uh, just waiting for the rest. Oh, yes, definitely. No, I, I, I can't wait for you guys to get the, the, the results back. And um, best of luck with that again. Uh, but all I can say, Matt, is honestly, I uh, look forward to playing with you some games later on this, this afternoon. Call of Duty all the time. Although I'm pretty sure you're going to be playing me Call of Duty on the new PlayStation 5, and we'll see. We'll see how the gameplay changes there. Uh, absolutely. Because there was also, uh, I think it was a... Um, uh, like an early access uh, to that to that system on Call of Duty. Uh, Dominic Juan saying good news, definitely. Uh, okay, so here's, I think I'm jumping back. Uh, Davin, okay, I think just jumping back to Davin. B's answering. Uh, da, da, da. <laughs> Potato is an herb. Um, no, I am not using an Exynos processor. It's a uh, StreamYard, which seems to be doing this kind of weird for me, which I, I don't know why. Um, the 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 experience of using uh, StreamYard for me has been kind of a hit and miss. On Monday, I think on, on Juan Carlos's uh, live stream, we use Restream, and Restream does it even worse. Well, not worse, but it does it in a different way, right? So where StreamYard goes, and I freeze in that frame, and I and on my end, or at least on my end, I see a spinning circle where the image on my side goes dark, and I see a spinning circle. I know that I fro froze up for you guys. I don't know if the audio is working, by the way, but I know at least I froze. Um, on on restream, it doesn't do that uh, in the sense that it does that. All I see here essentially is when I'm let's say I'm talking to Juan Carlos, I see Juan freezing, and that's how I know I froze. And if I'm by myself, it doesn't show you that you froze. So there's always that little bit of thing. I don't think it's an internet thing. It's not on my side because it's consistently bumping or pushing uh, the right amount of data. It's something to do with StreamYard, and I don't know if they're just becoming more popular, but I hope they can optimize it. It's been like this for the last couple of weeks, and. I, I'm trying to find another service that would work best for me. Because at the end, honestly, if you're looking at it, if you're looking at the stream from YouTube or in Twitch, to you, the my interface is irrelevant because that really just attributes to my experience on how to manage this. So we'll have to see. Uh, oops, sorry. Did I just skip one? Okay, I think I did skip a few. Hold on. Let me see if I can jump back real quick. Uh Oh, so this one's a good one. So um, 
DH Rove is saying is, do you think Samsung will drop Snapdragon in North America uh, after uh, perfecting the Exynos chip? So that's a little bit of a hard sell, right? If Samsung wants to compete in the US, if the Exynos chip can truly provide everything that these Qualcomm chipset can provide, also can also provide not only just the, the capabilities from connectivity, I'm not talking about band support, modems, and so on. I'm talking 5G, consistent performance, user experience stays the same, uh, battery experience, charging, all of those things that we normally expect to, for them to run exactly the same. I think Samsung can definitely switch this processor to whatever they want. Nobody really would understand. The um, On average, a consumer that goes out and buys a smartphone does not say what processor is this phone running. Uh, when they're buying an iPhone, they're not going into the iPhone saying, give me the iPhone with the A14 Bionic, please. I don't want the iPhone with the A13 Bionic. That choice realistically is more on the nerd side. This is our conversation, right? People like when we're in the conversation, we're going in there and I'm going in to see what the phone is, what they can do. Those are the things I'm asking. So the short answer is if they perfect it or if they get to the point where the, their Exynos chipset becomes more dominant and it performs great, Samsung can. And I don't think most users that use their devices will actually see a big difference. Uh, it, again, it just they need to basically perfect it. I'm almost tempted to say Samsung at some point should just shift the other way and let the Qualcomm chipset take over and reduce their, uh, I would probably say their concerns regarding Exynos because for them to fix Exynos right now, they need to put more work and more people or basically manpower to be able to get it to basically perform as good and even beat the Qualcomm chipset. And specifically since, again, literally in less than a month, we should be hearing from, uh, from uh, Qualcomm about their brand new chipset and what's coming up. So that is very exciting. Screen grabs of the face, uh, a face you get frozen also so we can make memes of them <laughs> never. Uh, I saw your tweet last week, Aditya. I, I, was it you or was it Matt that, that tweeted the one with Juan Carlos and I with that weird look on our face? So the short answer is, I don't believe you, Aditya. I think you're just messing with me. It's, 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 a, it's Saturday and you're doing it to me, man. Um, but yeah, no, I, it, it's all in good fun, realistically. Uh, thanks guys. One negative test. And hopefully my other daughter comes in negative as well back soon. Hopefully. Yes, definitely very much. Uh, <laughs> screen grabs. Oh my God. Screen grabs, screen grabs. Um, add Devian. I agree. TK's frozen. Yeah, I know. Sorry guys. I think I'm, I'm catching some of your comments before the last freeze. Um, I'm being so British right now. The cup of tea and a digestive biscuit. Uh, speaking of which, Matt, I enjoy a digestive biscuit, which has nothing to do with being digestive, but uh, we actually have those cookies here as well. Uh, my wife is originally from Hong Kong, so and, well, and I, I'm from Lebanon as well. So we grew up with a lot of British candy. So, you know, uh, Cadbury and all of those things, those are things that I grew up with. So digestive cookie, that you're, you're talking to my side of the family here. Um, oh, okay. So uh, Davin Davis is jumping in. TK, what do you think about the uh, the rollable LG phone next year? I think rollables are going to be the move forwards in the sense of what we're able to see for, from smartphones. I think we saw a couple of things this year. So we saw LG talking about that coming out next year, but we also saw TCL. So TCL is the other company that put out. Now they didn't put, they didn't show a, a, a fully functional model. They showed it to a specific set of, uh, I would say influencers or media, name them as you'd like. Um, and they got a chance to see a non-working model, which essentially kind of did that folding out in and out. Um, I think the form factor is very unique, very interesting. 
Uh, one thing that I always, I always will I definitely appreciate about this is how are they going to be able to work the durability behind the display? Because there's two things to keep in mind. If the device actually does slide out, so that means the display stretches out, not stretches, sorry, rolls out. Part of the display will have support in the back and the other part won't because you can't stretch or you can't unfold or basically roll away a harder material the way you can with the display. So one thing I would probably say is I'm excited to see what rollable displays can do. I'm a little bit skeptical on how durable it's going to be, at least in its first generation. But I would love to see TCL and LG work together on this and maybe one of them being the ODM for the actual hardware to provide us that experience because I feel like we we would need a couple of companies to come together to make it as a standard. Uh, foldable displays right now, we saw uh, FlexPy. Uh, basically, we've seen, obviously, Samsung come out with a couple of generations of their devices. Uh, we saw what uh, Xiaomi has to do with the Alpha, but that is a non-rollable or unrollable. It's on both sides. The uh, the early demo that they did a teaser a long time ago, where they where they had uh, their uh, I think it was their CEO. He was holding a phone in both hands, and he unfolded it on one side and unfolded it on the other end to get a longer tablet size uh, device. Never never materialized. We never saw that happen again. So short answer. We'll have to see. I'm excited to see what LG has to bring. And I am a big supporter of what they're doing. As long as they stay on this road, they are set to come back in a big way because people will recognize the performance, will recognize the benefit. Again, only device on the market that swivels like this and gives you the experience to be able to have a one and a half inch display or 1.5 display me uh, measurement. And of course, gets the UI element functional really, really nice. Like you could definitely appreciate that it does actually automatically work. I just want more app support. Uh, right now for me, Asphalt 9 works great. YouTube works great. Um, the gallery works really nice. Tubi works really good in there. It's a small number of apps. Uh, and the fact that you need to be stuck, oh, and the messaging app. Uh, the messaging, the native messaging app works perfectly with the dual display and you're able to actually get it so that your entire keyboard becomes the bottom one. So you actually get to basically type on the bottom display and get the text messaging at the top. So the, you, check out the video that I put out yesterday. Let's just say this. I put out a video last night, less than 24 hours ago on the LG Wing and my impressions. So definitely check that out. Let's see what else is coming in. Um, okay, let's see if we can scroll slowly, slowly, please. Don't, okay. <laughs> Snapdragon 810A chip. Oh my God! Yes, it could be running very much on that one. Um, so I don't, I don't know if you already answered this, but what do you think of the Sam, of Samsung making the next Qualcomm Samsung making the next Qualcomm 875 chip, 875 chip? Do you think they will have, uh, they will have battery and performance issues? Uh, we know Exynos is infamous. Yes. Um, so I think the preface on this entire thing is the fact that it's we started off by saying Qualcomm. It's their it's their system. It's their architecture. It's not the Exynos. So it's going to be a very different experience. I think if we see any improvements on what we already have with the 865 on the 875, obviously battery is going to be a, a big factor in there. And we saw that the battery did quite well on the 865 than it did on the 855 when we used the X55 modem. The X55 modem is what powers 5G on our 865 devices. Although it may not be on on all devices that run 865, just be aware it's not always a requirement. Uh, it definitely does much better. So 
hopefully again more efficiency on the soc if it goes down to five nanometers um, which means basically more powerful less power consuming and a smaller footprint as far as basically just giving you more for less if that's if there's a better way to say that will translate to better performance on the battery life on the device so better performance when it comes to longer battery life and of course maybe better technologies when it comes to, ba to, to batteries and charging speeds so those are the things that we want to be able to get is just overall an evolutionary upgrade from the 865 to the 875 and of course, I wouldn't be sad if they put in a few extra features for gamers in there. Uh, I think the 144 hertz from last year was a big up for me. I would love to be able to see more consistent, maybe 8K60, higher frame rate with support. The 865 is rated to support uh, 8K at 24 frames per second. LG pushes it to 30, but... Again, those are the little uh, little upgrades that I would probably see. I wouldn't be worried any at all if Samsung is pr making the, the hardware, and that's mostly because uh, I feel like Samsung can definitely do the work, but again, it's doing Qualcomm, so it's based on a Qualcomm design, not on an Exynos. So hopefully that answers that question there. Um, let's see here. Uh, yeah, so try I, no, and, and um, Juan Carlos has the exact same problem too. It's just, it's weird, and I think um, a week ago or so, whatever, I was on with um, with Josh uh, Joshua Vergara for uh, Pocket Now's live stream. They did the exact same thing. No, sorry, two weeks ago. Last week was in person with Josh. Uh, but yeah, no, I think it's something going on with their systems. Uh, no, dude, absolutely. I pre thank you for for jumping in, Greg. I appreciate it, man. Uh, nice one, guys. Samsung can't drop. Uh, hold on. Samsung can't drop it. Let's see here. Okay, so Samsung can't drop it. The reason why they choose Qualcomm is uh, the US is because they have to pay a huge royalty. He's to Qualcomm 42. That's why. Okay, we're back. Sorry about that. We froze and we came back and I didn't realize that I was going through uh, and it just, it's going to happen every 25, 20 minutes or so. Um, so Samsung can't, uh, sorry, Samsung can't drop it. The reason why they choose Qualcomm in the US because they have to pay huge royalties to Qualcomm. It's cheaper for them to buy the processor versus pay, uh, paying the royalties. Uh, and that's the reason. So it, it's really more of a marketing thing, really, at the end of the day. But also keep in mind, U.S. is not the only market that, Qual that Samsung uses the Qualcomm chipset. They use Qualcomm in their own their home territory in Korea. So Korean Sam Samsung devices run a Qualcomm chipset. So there's a little bit of give and take. I'm not sure why Exynos is, is specifically designated for specific regions. But at the end of the day, they need to do what works best for their consumers so that their brand doesn't get impacted by the performance issues. It's not, it's not, it's easy for them to spend a little bit more money to try to make a better purchase, either be it royalty or the SOC, but it's hard for them to recoup from when somebody goes up and again, on social media, user experience is being degraded when they get a brand new note 20 ultra. And of course the camera is the big feature there. You go out to take pictures with it and you're noticing overheating issues and, and stuttering in the, and the overall processing power. Also, why did the Note 20 and the Note 20 Ultra come out with the same SoC as the first generation, which is the S line, but then the X, the Qualcomm ended up going to the 865 Plus and not stuck with the 865. So there's a little bit of, I'm not sure, the, the region the region coding, or not region coding, but the, the regional PR approach to Samsung uh, is, is interesting, definitely. Uh, some YouTubers use OBS instead. Um, 
you're using Streamlabs now. Yes, so I've used OBS before, and I've, I have this entire setup, by the way, that I have has been working with OBS quite well. I've never had the opportunity to run dual streams on OBS. I've streamed from OBS to YouTube before, and that works perfectly fine. But because I'm streaming to both uh, YouTube and Twitch at the same time, I'm not sure if my system current in the current format can support this type of stream, unless I may have a separate, a separate system to restream it up to the second level, uh, to stream it over to the other side. But we'll have to see. Let me see here. I'm, I'm kind of trying to speed it up. Uh, oh, <laughs> Greg, of course, jumping in with the super chat. Thank you very much, man. Thank you so much for having me of TK, hashtag TKR Bay. Always, man. Always, Greg. Appreciate it. And uh, thank you for jumping in and, and being part of the conversation always. Um, Bees jumping back in. A vast majority don't understand silicon. So the main reason for Samsung goes Qualcomm in, in the US is because it's cheaper to buy Qualcomm chipset versus paying royalty and selling Exynos. I understand the price point B, but what I'm trying to explain is at the end of the day, your average user doesn't look at the phone based on the SOC. They look on it on how it performs and what it does for them. It, you know, we have to look at what capabilities the SOCs has to bring. If this is the same situation as far as just being for the US market, again, going back into why is it the same for Korea? Is it more expensive for them to do it in their own home territory? I don't know. The conversation can definitely be, uh, depending on where you're looking at it, but I still believe that they just need to do what's best for the consumer, regardless of which SOC they go with. Uh, they, they do make enough money on their hardware for them to justify going with one over the other. The presence of the ecosystem and having that challenge between the two when Exynos is so behind is going to basically make people uh, start judging the question, is, is it worth it? Because people are starting to see that there is a big difference. Uh, let's see what else here. Dominic Wong... Uh, I, I very, very, very little. My understanding of Cantonese, I understand a little bit more than I speak it, and mostly because I hear my wife and her mom and parents uh, sp uh, speaking the language. It's a hard language to learn. It's definitely a lot harder than Mandarin, uh, and I my pronunciations are pretty bad. Uh, so yeah, no, and unfortunately, I, I try not to embarrass myself, but uh, it's a beautiful language. Uh, definitely sounds very, um, I don't know how to explain it. Like whenever we I hear it, it's depending on, especially when the food, and it comes to just amazing, like, yeah, let's just say, this my favorite dish is ham yu gai lap chow fun that's my favorite dish and i'm pretty sure i butchered that word but if you know what it is dominic you know exactly how good that dish is uh, one of my favorite dishes that i always go always go by uh, uh mi isa saying is hello how's the battery life on the note 20 ultra on lte 4g sd snapdragon version okay so uh Two things. The Note 20 Ultra that we have is the Note 20 Ultra 5G. Uh, I don't have the four, the LTE model. There is no LTE model in the US. We only have the 5G model in the US. So for that, with the battery, the way it's been, I, so I barely got the phone back a couple of days, uh, like uh, earlier this week on uh, on Sunday, I think when I met with Juan Carlos and got it. And the phone for me right now is actually my wife's phone. So for the most part, battery life hasn't been a big issue. Uh, it's a bigger display, works really nice, and it runs on 5G and T-Mobile here, which now kind of talking about the 4G LTE, it is kind of comparable to the speed of 4G LTE in the US. Uh, but battery life hasn't been that bad, actually. 4,500 milliampere, I think it, they could have benefited from keeping it at the 5,000, which is what we saw with the S20 Ultra, you know, ultra to ultra kind of thing. Uh, but it does actually seem to be performing quite well. So no problems at all with the Note 20 Ultra on that one. Uh, wonder if Juan is lurking in this chat, hashtag some lurking guy. I wouldn't be surprised, guys. I seriously don't. I don't. I, Juan does that every once in a while. You just see him jumping in at the last second when you mention him. But yeah, no, definitely. There is a good chance. 
Um, so here, uh, uh, Dongle Zeno's uh, Info, um, Info Opinion is actually saying that Samsung's are unveiling the Exynos 1080 high-performance uh, mid-range chipset on Thursday, 12th on November, uh, early scores showing it better than the 875. So here's my thing. It's a little bit harder to say that it's better on a chipset that hasn't been released. That's my only concern. So whenever, if we see somebody saying things about, well, this car is faster than the car that's going to be coming out next year, it's a little bit of a tougher pill to actually uh, justify unless they're able to just show that they were able to get final production level 875 chips and have them in a device that is running production level software. So when you say initial results, it's all early and it's hard to tell because it hasn't been optimized and the testing that they're doing is extremely done in a specific controlled environment, which for the most part, none of us are part of. So if they're saying that it is, it's faster than the A75, I find it a little bit hard to, to, to believe. If they said that it was faster than the A65, that find it at least it's a more, you know, like even Apple didn't jump into the conversation saying, are, you know, the A14 is better than the A75, that, you know, next year's Qualcomm chipset is not going to be faster. You need to look at it from what what's uh, where the source is. So I, I find it a little bit harder, uh, but we'll have to see how that goes. Honestly, uh, it's one of those things. It's not a race. If if your car goes 105 miles an hour and my car goes 100 miles an hour, is it really a different uh, experience between the two? Or is it just literally in very, very specific, minute cases that we? it's hard for us to justify the difference in performance? But hopefully, we'll, we'll see. At the 12th, this is around the corner. Um, surprisingly, which also is a big thing, I don't know if you guys are aware of it, um, MediaTek is also, which I know we talked about like Exynos, Qualcomm, and all of that stuff. Um, MediaTek is also having their summit that's coming up on the 10th. So we're also going to see what MediaTek has to talk about when it comes down to their hardware and their 2021 uh, device uh, you know, SOC that's going out. Uh, the reason why I mentioned MediaTek is I'm going to be attending that, that conference, but not only that, uh, live streaming, of course. The, uh, the presence of MediaTek processors and chipsets is something that I think a lot of us don't realize exists. MediaTek powers a lot of non- uh, non-smartphone devices that we use on a daily basis, like those smart device switches that you guys buy, uh, smart lamps that are connected over Wi-Fi, they're using MediaTek processors. 90% uh, of Amazon ecosystem hardware from their Fire TVs, Fire tablets, all of those, they're using MediaTek processors. Uh, and specifically, as we talked about again here, since we kind of shifted it over, this is running a MediaTek processor. Again, it exists in many different forms. So I know MediaTek may not be sitting at the same table and talking about everything else in the same way, but they have a very big hand into a lot of our smart life, smart technology that comes around, either be it on Amazon system or even on um, the Google Assistant, smart TVs, uh, smart things, or even with Apple HomeKit. So it wouldn't be surprised if they're, they're making some big announcements. So we'll see what they have there. Uh, let me see here. If I, I wish I wasn't highlighting a comment. Okay. Uh, da, 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 I think I jumped in here. Da, da. Do you think, okay, so uh, do you think with Samsung making the Qualcomm, I think, uh, oh, uh, will make them cheaper. I, I don't know if price will be a big difference. Manufacturing of one thing is one end, but it depends on who sells it at the end. If Qualcomm is still selling it, that's really depending on what Qualcomm's uh, approach and PR, uh, not PR, but mostly about you know what their, what their sales system is going to be. Um, smartphones or SOCs or chipsets for smartphones are sold in a different way than what we think of them. It's capabilities really is what you're buying. If you're buying, uh, you're, you're buying it basically with specific kind of like um, 
think of it as basically a custom blend for every carrier that wants to get this, uh, the SOC. And that's what we used to get it in the past. And now it's more about capabilities, what you have on and off in the system. The example would be the Sony Xperia 1 Mark II and the Xperia 5 Mark II. Both have the 865 with the X55 modem, but both don't have 4G LTE in the US because there's no compatibility done in initially. There's uh, agreements between basically carriers and so on. So for the most part, 4G LTE is what we have. Uh, does it attribute to the price point? It could, but it doesn't necessarily mean. We'll have to wait to see what they actually announce at the end. Uh, Davin Davis is jumping in. Says, TK, I think your concerns are valid. I think LG shifting uh, to an ODM for 70% of phones next year. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if this was LG plus TCL. I, absolutely. I think, and I think Juan Carlos and I talked about this a couple of times as well. We're, we are aware, obviously, that you know this is something that could potentially be a big changer. But at the end of the day, is we need to have two companies that are great at it, that do the work together to get us the best experience. I think everybody doing their own thing is creating too many separate little pieces. And while I feel like LG is doing great when we have the accessory, the dual case accessory, we also now have the LG, LG wing. Foldables, I think both will definitely benefit from working together absolutely there. Uh, da, da, da. Oh, so I, okay. Uh, da, da, da. Okay, B, I'm, I'm going to have to, uh, I'm, I'm really big on, on the conversation between Apple and Samsung, but I think it's more of the looking at it in the sense of what it offers us at the end of the day uh, as far as basically usability. Um, okay, so let's jump into this one. So B is jumping in with this one. Do you see a major difference between uh, One UI 2.5, One UN with 3.0 R, 2.5 folks missing out a lot? Uh, one UI 3.0 is still in beta, so it hasn't really officially became available. There is a few optimizations going on. Right now, I think the 2.5, honestly, is the biggest upgrade that I've seen. The 3.0 is more, uh, I would say, fine-tuning, but we'll have to see what the S21 re releases with as far as specific unique features on this. Um, reality is the camera improvements with the Pro camera came with 2.5, and I think that was the big jump. The ability of using Bluetooth headset with there, that was also a big jump, which was really nice. Wireless decks also came up with 2.5, which I think is also very nice for devices that support it. So keep that in mind. Not all devices will have it. Um, but at, at the end of the day, it's more of a graphical interface uh, update. I mean, I have it on my S20 Ultra, and I compared it to the Note 20 Ultra. And at the end of the day, it just it's a visual, uh, I would say it's a visual uh, uplift. Uh, and they're trying to become more and more unique. I'm just hoping that we're not going backwards in time where we used to have TouchWiz, which was very big on visual uh, optimizations, that it slowed down the system. Uh, for me, running on the beta, the last few updates have made it better. It's been more stable, less buggy. And the apps actually were, like an example would be on, on, on the first or second beta, I would unlock the phone or turn on the display and the display stays black the whole time. I would have to double press the power button to launch the camera and then swipe home for me to get the home screen again. Something with the with the UI, the drivers weren't running right. So the short answer is I'm hoping um, when you, well, I hope 2.5, sorry, 3.0 does come out to everybody, which for the most part that anybody that got 2.5 should be getting, but it's not going to be as big of a difference as you think uh, it would have been. Um, have you tried the 3D face unlock on the LG G8 when it came out? Uh, that that was last year. So unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to play with the G8. Uh, Juan Carlos did. Um, I also think he also played around with the G8X. 
I had the opportunity to play with the G7, the G, uh, the, and I think that was the last G device. Uh, we went to the V50 that I played around that I borrowed from Juan Carlos, and then I played around with the V60, and then we went down to the Velvet. And of course, as you guys know, we're moving next year. We're going to get a new line of devices. Obviously, the V series and the G series are no longer there. So um, no, unfortunately, I don't. I don't have a way of really uh, helping with that one. But I do remember that the G8 did have that. Um, the, the, the technology basically to be able to map your hand and do the gestures with the volume control and the swiping. So those are things that obviously were unique to the G8, but LG kind of left that as well. They just moved on from it. So hopefully we'll see how things go. Yes, exactly. No, Aditya always knows. Yeah, I think benchmarks are great for us to kind of have a point of reference, but they're not really representative of real life. Nobody ever runs an IDA 64 benchmark on their on their device for a normal daily activity. That's intended to be a stress test. Yes, it shows us what the capabilities are, but is it is it sustainable? Is it something you can do on a daily basis? And is it something that you want to do on a daily basis? I don't think it's realistic. I think at the end of the day, it's the optimization of the software, the hardware, and the user experience. So UI, UX are always going to be a big thing for whenever we look at hardware or smartphones. Development needs to basically put in more work on smoothing out that experience and allowing people to enjoy their devices. Without uh, the situation, uh, Dominic Wan's jumping back in. Uh, oh, I know what it is. The salty fish chicken fried rice. Oh my God, you understood me. <laughs> I'll have to tell my wife. See, I always say that. And uh, uh, those are that's like my favorite dish. Every time we go to a Chinese restaurant, and especially because it's a salty fish, very few uh, people will appreciate it because it has that, it has a funk taste, a smell to it, but it tastes amazing. Uh, uh, yeah, please. Don't eat too much of the salty fish. It's not to be, uh, yeah. So just as a reference, it's every once in a while, it's a, it's definitely a, uh, something that I enjoy. No, if I ate that on a consistent basis, people will hate me. Not, not the fact that uh, carcinogenic concerns into uh, issue there, but it's more about the, uh, just the overall, like, you know, the thousand year old egg, the, uh, you know, all of the different little delicacies that you can get from the Asian market, uh, or even just Cantonese with you know, dim sum with yum cha and all of those things. I appreciate that. But yes, uh, I thank you. My wife says the exact same thing. We shouldn't eat it all the time. But now that I said it, uh, now I want to go get some uh, chicken fried rice for dinner tonight. Hopefully I can, uh, we'll see what's happening. Uh, Davin, oh, yes, 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 guys. Sorry, so, 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 sorry. Uh, we, are coming out, we are coming up to our two-hour mark, which is, uh, as you guys know, the, uh, the roughly the timeline that our show kind of generally goes about, about the two hours, two hours or so. Uh, but as you can imagine, it is also time for us to remember to do the TKception, uh, hashtag TKception. So if you guys don't mind, do me a favor, please drop me a few TKception hashtags in there uh, for us to kind of go ahead and start it up. Uh, Dominic uh, looks look so serious when you froze again. <laughs> I always look so serious. It's the beard. No, just kidding. Uh, let's see here real quick. Um, do you see the Pixel 5 on the Nord uh, slowing down by 2022? Um, I think the if anything, both of these devices will probably be hard. So as we're waiting for those comments real quick, uh, both of those devices won't have an issue because they really are from two companies that are very focused on development and software and optimization for speed. Pixel will always be fast because it's optimized to run on Android. And OnePlus is always known to push out updates. And if they stop supporting them, the development community after posts like lineage OS and any other devices can also help you out. 
So let's go ahead and jump real quick to the end. Uh, or here we are. So uh, da, 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 where is it? Uh, did I miss it? Did I miss it? Oh, here. So uh, Greg, we're jumping on. We're going to start off with you first. Let's go ahead and share the screen. And here, share in one, two, three, go. <sighs> we got Greg in the chat. Everybody else, uh, yeah, everybody say hi to Greg real quick. Um, well, oh, here we are. We have uh, Joe, uh, Joe Hickey's TK Exception hashtag Team Pixel. Man, dude, that picture was amazing. Uh, should be on, like on a cover of a GQ magazine. Of course, DTNL, as always, Dominic Wong, thank you very much. Uh, and of course, Aditya, one more time, just to kind of solidify it and making sure everybody's in there. Um, and of course, Aditya says, oh, I think Aditya is answering somebody else's comments. Let's see, do we have anybody else? Oh, Matt Tyler's in the chat. Okay, made it. Hey, I was just trying to catch everybody uh, everybody else in there. And of course, Borgovar is in the comments as well. Thank you very much. I love that thumbnail, by the way. That, that HDR image is amazing. Um, with that being said, I do want to say to you guys, honestly, it's it's one of those things that we want to be you know, just aware of what's going on when it comes to technology. Samsung, Google, you know, Samsung and, and, and Android and, and the way the entire ecosystem going on right now. Processors are, let's just maybe step one, maybe one step behind, uh, back a little bit. I think what we have as far as hardware is way ahead of what we need on a daily basis from when it comes down to our usability. I think the software that we're getting right now is where most of the optimizations are being done. It's because that's really where most of the work that needs to happen. I'm Again, having a fast car that can go 1,000 miles an hour on a road that can only allow you to go to 30 miles an hour is a limiting factor. So software is really where I feel like the road, the, the road where this is going to be more and more optimized for our usage on a daily basis. Um, if Samsung's going to be jumping into the game to basically start working with Qualcomm to making the new chipset, I think that's a great winning experience for them. If Samsung can benefit from this so that they can get a better deal and therefore eliminating Exynos and just jumping all Qualcomm all the time, I think that works for everybody's uh, better benefit. At the end of the day, what we see with the A14, with the 875 that's coming up, hopefully, as well as what we see with obviously with the Kirin 9000 or even with MediaTek coming in in the next few days or so, is that we're looking at optimizations. We're looking at improvements of devices and hardware uh, that are going to give us basically the best experience as the user. That's really the main benefit of this entire thing. For us to be able to enjoy using our phones, to be able to do with them what we want and get the right phone for what we need. There's no one phone that answers everything. The iPhone is not a perfect phone and Samsung's phone, best phone is not a perfect phone for everybody. Same thing with any other device, be it an LG, be it a Pixel, be it a OnePlus. It's not perfect for everybody. It's going to be great for a lot of people, but every person that goes in to buy a smartphone should understand what are the capabilities and do they really need to pay a thousand plus for an A14 running chipset or does the A13 still run great? Does the 11 Pro Max from 2019 still do the same work and does it really good with iOS 14? Personally, I think the 11 Pro Max from last year is absolutely baller. It works great. I have it running the uh, iOS 14.2 I have no problems with it. There's no reason for me to upgrade to the iPhone 12, even though the A14 may be faster. Now, flip side to the other side, it doesn't mean that I need to jump over to the 875 right out of the box. Honestly, for what I do personally, that is a different answer because that's something I do for the channel. I cover things. Those are things that I never typically need to be consistent with all the time. So those are things I would probably say is look at what you're getting and make sure that it fits what you're looking to get out of your smartphone. Don't let the price tag judge and and this is something that I really hope that at some point, hopefully in the near future, Juan Carlos and I can actually jump on the stream and talk a little bit more about that. Um, 
And it's something that I feel like a lot of us kind of have gotten into a category, well, not category, like a price point tier. If the phone is 700, then it should be okay for mostly, but not okay for everything. But if it's a thousand, then it should be fine for everything. And the answer may not, may not always be the same thing. At the end of the day, a $700 or $600 smartphone can give you literally everything you want and then some and not have to cost everything. So we really need to start looking at them as categories and type of features as far as what the phones can do as opposed to what uh, what you're looking for in the sense of just overall price point. Um, yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Bia. Just, it's more of just... Uh, just make sure that you're looking at it and you're making the judgment, especially when you're investing that much money in a, into a piece of tech. Your smartphone, if it's a $1,200 smartphone, better replace your laptop because if you're paying $1,200 for your smartphone and your laptop has another $2,000, is it really make sense that you need $3,000 or $3,200 worth of hardware just to be able to have a mobile communication device and a, and a laptop that be able to process some of that content off of it? So those are the things we want to keep in mind. Um, so with that being said, I want to say thank you very much to Davin Davis, to B, to Greg, to uh, Matt Tyler, Sam jumped in earlier, Adam also as well, um, Aditya as always, Dominic Juan, of course, today you and I, we went back and forth a lot, appreciate it, and thank you for understanding what I said, uh, I, I say that because of, uh, yeah, just, just, just me, uh, hope you guys are doing great. Um, stay safe, be safe for all my friends, everybody that's in the UK, uh, good luck. And, uh, again, uh, hopefully this time will just fly by really, really quickly. And I hope you guys are getting your PlayStation fives very soon, because if once that comes around, I don't think the month is enough. I think you guys will probably be just gone for, for days on end. And nobody will like, we'll be calling Matt Tyler's like, Matt, we need you to come back, man. Come on, man. Get off the PlayStation five, man. Uh, but with that being said, uh, I'll try to work out with Matt and Sam and see if we can schedule something for us to bring the across the podcast. Make sure you check them out tomorrow, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, and of course, that'll be basically later on for the UK time. And of course, we can't forget that my, you know, Juan Carlos is going to be back on Monday with his nine o'clock live stream. So um, again, be safe, be good, say hi to everybody. Uh, and of course, do me a favor call somebody you haven't talked to for some time and say hi, uh, be it a friend, be it an old friend, a family member or somebody like that. I, I can always appreciate saying that is, if somebody calls me that I haven't talked to for some time, it's always fun. Uh, I recently connected with one of my old buddies, a high school friend that I haven't talked to for a year and a half. And he was so surprised when he saw the beard. It's like, dude, you grew the beard, man. Who is this? So short answer. It's always fun. It's always good. Uh, be safe. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And um, hopefully we'll see you guys next week. I am going to have a video coming out tomorrow on a projector from BenQ that is going to be just crazy good. It's like one of my... I've never liked a projector as much as I've liked the, the, the new projector that I'm going to share with you guys a video on tomorrow. And of course, more videos and more content coming out next week, uh, as well as I'm still actually working, by the way, on a gaming video on the Mate 40 Pro, uh, testing out the Kirin 9000. So uh, with that being uh, there, take care. Thank you very much. Sabaho uh, to everybody. And actually forgot to say that I never said this to everybody uh, else, but Sabaho is to say good morning in Arabic. And of course, goodbye is Ma'asalemi. So Ma'asalemi to everybody. Uh, peace be upon you guys, everybody. That's literally what it translates. It doesn't translate well in English, but essentially is Ma'asalemi. So I'll see you guys next week. Be safe. Take care. Bye-bye.